Welcome everyone to Davos Fingers episode 119. You're on Undressed featuring John. I'm scatting with me as always is my buddy Matt. Good afternoon, everybody. Yes, because it's afternoon where you're listening. Joining us today is John Comrade, a.k.a. Dop John. You know, John, few make me laugh like you do. I'm just going to come out and say it's it. It's true. Uh, well, one of my favorite things, <laughs> one of my favorite things is I was thinking about this. The way you tweet, I don't know if I've ever seen you tweet even close to the Twitter character limit. It's always like 10 words or less. And it's always brilliant. The laugh quotient per character is off the charts. Yeah. Well, it's I try to, off the charts. I, I appreciate that. I try to pack in as much material as I can and, you know, in uh, 45 or, you know, 50 letters. But it's, uh, you know, I've learned to drop punctuation. I used to be really bad. I used to like, you know, when they went to the 240 character limit, I'm like, Oh, it was like freedom. Finally, finally yeah. you know, these freedom! Are the, the novellas that, that, that my audience deserved. But I, I feel like the I was going to I was going to ask you, do you know that there's a 240 character limit, not 24? Because... I, 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 do, I do. I just take everything out, divide it by 10. <laughs> I, well, uh, it's we... all the good shit, you know, Drill, uh, Norm MacDonald, um, mm-hmm. me. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. none of them go over, you know, it's, you never see a 237 character tweet that you're like, oh yeah, that's the shit. I'm stealing that. You know? And it's like, no, it's to be fair seven words or whatever. And then it's like, what I the fuck? To be fair, Norm Macdonald had about 240 characters just in pauses. He did. He did. Yeah. But he also had the good sense to delete everything within, <laughs> you know, four or five hours. So. <laughs> Or I, or I don't. I'm like, oh, that's terrible. Team. Send. I mean, I don't know. Kalasar, if you're listening to this and wondering what the hell we're babbling on about, get ready because you're in for about a whole episode of this. Get ready. This is the way yeah, this episode we, uh, is going to go with the three of us today. Yeah, it's going to be a real one. Yeah, it's going to be real. We met formally at Ice and Fire Con 2018 mm. at me, John and I. Skad and John, you met prior to that, the right? Previous yeah, the year. previous year. Yeah, 2017. The yeah. previous year. Yeah. Um, John's a man who wears many hats, D&D DM. Uh, he's a dad. He's a former Utah resident who seems to know a lot about everything, including early Mormon history and obscure Detroit Red Wings players from the 80s and 90s. So I mean, obscure everything. I, 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 yeah, obscure everything. It's, it's, it, I, you know, I look at it like my whole life is this MST3K episode, you know, that where it's like, maybe you'll get it, maybe you're not. You know, there's going to be one person in the audience that's going to, you know, understand the reference. And then, you know, from there, as long as I think it's funny, then we're going to go with it. And then hopefully there's one or other, you know, two other people that uh, follow along. But You know, it's a recipe for success. And then you have that connection with that person. That's exactly it. Felicia Day, who, uh, uh, she's a content creator. She does uh, Geek and Sundry. But she, that was her whole philosophy early on. It was like, if I can tell a joke that 10 people will get, that's the joke I want to tell because they will relate and be my, be my follower forever. Right. It's a good, it's a good philosophy. I'm sure, like I'm it. sure it's worked out. Yeah, for I like know. It. It's, it's, it's the fast road to uh, three likes and one retweet, <laughs> you know, but <laughs> we shouldn't aspire for any more than that. Which really, yeah, yeah, it's, which it's, really <laughs> is just about right. Yeah. Just about beats right. my average. Anyways, good to have you, sir. Good to have you, sir. All right. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. At the risk of spending all three hours just bullshitting, uh, let's jump into some announcements. 
Hey, Matt, you got any uh, watching reading recommendations? No, not really. <laughs> Been busy. Uh, our last episode, I talked about watching Vikings, and I'm still watching Vikings nice. one laundry night at a time. Nice. I think I'm on season uh, four now. Uh-huh. So I average about three episodes a week, which is about the time it takes me to fold the uh, loads of laundry in the house. So That's um, lovely. That's all I'm doing. Yeah. And then I'm reading uh, A Song of Ice and Fire chapters every once in a while <laughs> to prepare for this podcast. Highly recommend. Really good stuff, guys. Really good. Listen to Davos Fingers and read <laughs> A Song of Ice and Fire. Uh, you listen to, I don't listen to Davos Fingers. What about Fingers. you? Uh, I've been watching primarily two things lately. Uh, I've been watching Hawkeye, uh, which I love. I, don't, I haven't seen much hubbub about it. I don't know if it's, it's bombing or what, but I love it. Um, and, and I've been watching Wheel of Time, which I originally hated and thought it was very derivative but i really wanted to like how it. was that crow man how was that crow it was super tasty i mean i feel like i swallowed it pretty well um smoked yeah uh, sure smoked raw i'll, I'll eat yeah. it regardless but uh i'm mm-hmm. loving it now i i love the show Good. i can't wait to see where it takes me i am not reading the books i feel like i feel like the original game of thrones watcher that didn't read and just watched the show and just devoured it and loved it mm-hmm. and can't I just can't wait for the next episode. I'm excited. So that's I think this that's is what your I'm doing. time, man. Yeah, this is your time to do that. I lo- I'm loving it. Mm-hmm. I'm loving it, and I'm I'm still reading. Uh, I'm still reading Expanse. Finished yeah. the first book, on to the second. So, but uh, those are just my recommendations. John, what are you doing these days? Nice. Reading, watching. Uh, uh, I can recommend Mythic Quest on Apple Television. Oh yeah. Um, Ashley Birch is on it. Um, mm. It's uh, Mac from uh, Parks and Rec. It's always sunny. Always sunny. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's his show, yeah. and uh, it's. I think it's very clever. It's well written. There's uh, only two seasons. It got picked up for a third or a fourth, I think. And um, it's a. It's a a good, in the mold of you know kind of Parks and Rec, but I think it's. The writing's a, the writing's a little sharper. I think there's a little more there's a little more meat there than that genre tends to produce. But um, no, it's I, a video I, game company, right? Like they they're making a video, a, a, like an online RPG kind of video game. Yeah, and was it MM 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 or Porg? I, I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. multiplayer <laughs> online or whatever it is. Right. You can tell I'm a gamer. <laughs> Well, I am, yeah, but not like that. I mean, it's yeah. I basically I just play Dragon Age on a loop, you know, and then it's like uh, it's kind of like my walking around. I was like, there's some exercise, and then it's like I'll walk the hinterlands, and then it's like, oh man, you know, all day. Like, what'd you do today? Like, whew, man, up and down mountains. My character walked a lot. <laughs> yeah, no it's great. I just it was you know, taxing. I picked up plants and little rocks and shit. I made gear with it. <laughs> I beat the I beat the temple level on Goldeneye. So. <laughs> Pop that cartridge in. That's what she said. <laughs> Did she have to blow on it first? Um, <laughs> if you want it to work right, you do. At least smile at it. So <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to give it a dirty look every time you see it. That's all I'm saying. I feel like we flew right past the Nintendo joke <laughs> of blowing on the cartridge uh, just like dirty sexual innuendo. But it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. We don't need a layer of 
of cleverness, that's, John. That's yeah, that's what you do. There's there's no onion yep. here. There's no don't, don't peel the layers. <laughs> it's just oh, it's an orange. It's just you know, it's like ah, yeah, yeah, and then it's all just pulpy juice. fucking all nastiness. The juice immediate juice all right well we're on a mini break until the new year so this will be our last episode until until uh mid-january sometime as you can tell we kind of need this break i think are we a little loopy i can't tell (laughs) might be yeah we'll be back with more meet the calisar in january we will indeed and on the patreon side Mm -hmm. same kind of thing we're on a similar mini break as well uh but look out because we might there might be a special thing or two this month uh, as, as Matt and I shake free of, of uh, responsibilities with the regular episodes. Um, and next month, we'll be back, of course, for our regular Patreon content, getting back to I'm Mercury by the enigmatic and clever Grant Piercy after a break. So today, for those here for Ice and Fire, uh, a Song of Ice and Fire content, uh, we are covering the Reaver, which is the second Victorian POV chapter in the series. Victorian's grasp on some parts of the Song of Ice and Fire world is a bit pedestrian, but he's good at killing. He understands his people, the Ironborn, and loathes his brother, and that's pretty much where we're going to spend our time today. Uh, This chapter does hint at Victorian's and the Ironborn immediate future a little bit, and what their journey ahead looks like. So that's probably going to lead us to talk a little bit about Victorian himself and his, his, his future POVs. But this episode probably is going to remain pretty contained. It doesn't touch the rest of Planetos too much. So mild spoilers beware, but it's probably going to be pretty contained. Yeah, I think so. There might come up some Winds of Winter sample chapter, but I don't even know. We'll see. Um, We'll warn you if it does. Uh, Kalisar, if you want to contact us, we love to hear from you. Well, most of you. Yeah, we like it. But you know where to find us. We are DavosFingers at gmail.com. We're on Facebook. Our Twitter handle is at Davos Fingers, and you can, of course, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash Davos Fingers. And Dop John, where can the Kalisar find you? I hang out on Twitter for most irregular hours, uh, excuse me, the Nightbirds, and then some people who get, you know, preternaturally early, um, and then usually at the lowest traffic hours possible. You can find me uh, <laughs> at uh, Dop John, D-O-P-J-O-N, uh, on Twitter. Um, but I did notice in your listing of how to reach you, there was not a uh, actual mailable address with that. Is that correct? That's, if you want, if I wanted to draw you a picture or like send you something nice, there's no P.O. box or... I keep putting the feelers out to see if anyone wants to send me a Christmas card, and no one has asked. So that would be I nice. have not yet published an address. But if needed, hit us up on oh. on the Twitter in the in the DM, and I'll give you my address. I really would. See, that's big. Yeah, that's the only way you get gifts. That's what I. That's what I've learned. <laughs> <laughs> so, New Year's resolution: set up PO box <laughs> yeah. for Davos fingers. Uh, we get plenty of gifts from our Queen Misa. Hey, that's not a bad idea. Yeah, you can thank me later, gentlemen. Ah. Uh. Well, let's get into Victorion. All right. Chapter, chapter. Here we go. I warned you guys, this is what this episode is going to be. All right. Chapter summary, part one. Here we go. The Iron Fleet is in the Shield Islands with a master plan laid out by Euron to catch them unawares. By sweeping way out to the west, the main fleet avoiding the coast and its alarms, and then driving straight back towards the shields, they can get the element of surprise. The defenders barely getting to their ships before the Ironborn were upon them. And Victarion, in full plate and Kraken Helm, leads the way, dealing death to all around. 
men mostly unarmored that fear drowning in armor as much as their foe's axe. More woe to them. But there is one that seems equal to the task. That's right. Uh, across the ship, Victorian spies his opposite, the captain with a white rose on a red background. Armored and skilled, this foe challenges Victorian, quickly striking with his sword, parrying and spinning away from Victorian's powerful blows. Victorian gets his axe stuck in one of those blows in the rail with a wild swing, and Sir Talbert Sari of the White Rose brings his sword down upon him. But Vic catches the sword in his hand. Yeah, he does. He catches the sword in his hand. Yeah. yeah he then does. tosses it and Sari overboard afterward, the latter presumably sinking to his death in the waters below. Yeah, and as he turned back to the battle, he saw it was mostly one with only a small ring of defenders still hanging on. He charges them, blunt force trauma his goal. This was why he'd been put on earth, and he laid waste to them, bringing the battle to completion. Well done, Victorian. Protected by his thick plate. The sea was a ruin of wrecked and burning and taken ships. Victory. And yet the taste was sour in his mouth because this victory belonged to Euron. It was his plan. The promises he had given to the ironborn of riches had come true. But more than that, Euron's promise of conquest had been realized as well. He couldn't think of the glory going to his brother without getting bile in his throat. He took out his anger through sex with the dusky woman, a gift from his brother. But after working out his frustration, he had to admit that his brother's plan was damn good. Yeah, they relied on the defenses of old when those of the Reach would defend the Mander, following them upriver when the Ironborn dared to reeve. When most of the defenses went upriver, the Ironborn swooped in and took the Shield Islands with little fanfare. All fell out as Euron said it would. His wizards must have seen it. Euron had wizards to prognosticate his battles, but he still needed Victorian to win them. Hmm. He needed more wine. Me too. Um, All right. I, I, I just, for the, I was tempted to do it, but I was really, you know, to give Victorian a voice, you know, to read that line, you know. All fell out as Euron said it would. His wizards must have seen it. You know, and make make that because, you know, there's no show. Rep. You don't have a Peter Dinklage to compete against, you know. So it's like, no, it's canonical. That's what he sounded like. He sounded like a really bad Mickey Mouse imitation. And, uh, it can be and everyone just kind of ignored you it, you know. It was, yeah, it's yeah. True. That was part of his fearsomeness in battle, you know. Come at me if you can. You know, like. <laughs> and they're guy. like, the fuck? <laughs> The fuck? That's how he caught the sword. The guy was almost dropped it. Like those are the ones you really uh-huh. got to watch out for. Yeah, you really do. Uh-huh. Seen Surprise! <laughs> They've seen some stuff. Yeah, well, so uh, so this chapter begins with some military battle stuff. Uh, you know, George does this every once in a while. Uh, he has he has a good voice for battles. I think uh, I I did look up a few things. I've, I've always felt like I didn't un- really understand raking another boat because it's like, it feels like you're just wrecking the boat you're about to take. And it seems like you're going to damage your own boat as well. And I was, I just, I was like, does this, does this work? Do people do this? Well, I, I can speak to this. I played some uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. So I'm probably the expert here on, on that. And yeah, you it just crash like into it, it. And then when the little red bar gets down to a certain point, then you get on. I don't, other than that, I'm not <laughs> sure. 
So I figured it was something like that, you know? <laughs> I mean, that's how I imagine it is, you know, I was like, oh, it's like, now it's time to board. You got the little icon there. So um, it uh, it's certainly less descriptive than, say, Blackwater, which is to be just, that was, Blackwater for me was why I kept re- reading the series, honestly. Mm. That was like, that was hell on earth. Mm. And this, even though this is, you know, he goes through tactically what, uh, he does, it's still, um, rather, it's rather kept to, you know, one boarding sequence and then an overview of everything that happens, you know? You're right. The, the theater is contained to one ship and Victorion's actions yeah. rather than more of a sweeping kind of battle scene. You're right. Yeah. It's not Trafalgar or Salamis or whatever. It's, you know, it's, we're going to watch this guy ball. And and Bali does. Euron's really good at what he does. That's, you know, I, I like. I don't think that that, to my mind, gets enough. <laughs> I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna do the the thing you don't do. You gotta hand it to him. I mean, everyone <laughs> knows he's a shitty person. And the first chapter that you get with him, the previous, you know, was it the Iron Captain? Is that what the? Uh, yes, I believe that's the name of it. Yeah. Um, you see him kind of. He's already. You see, he's a bungler. And this, this is an opportunity to see him in his plying his trade and he's fucking good at it and he's fearless. You know, I mean, he comes over full plate. Fuck you. I don't care if I drowned, you know, all these other guys now, how they view him, you know, what, who's to say you get it through Vic's head, but all the same, you know, his so far he's undefeated in doing that, you know? So, I mean, we'll get to the other monstrosities later, but at least you get to see that what he's good at what he's good at and if you were to put him in a situation with you know with his contemporaries i would be happy putting a couple of bucks on him you know like get in there and bash with with jamie or whatever and it's like you know like yeah i'd like to see that win you know but so yeah to to me it's watching him work like that is an interesting compared to everything else that you see about the guy you see this is the one thing that he does well and I think you kind of needed to see that, right? Because, like you said, he comes off as just in this previous chapter as someone who you're like, wait, this guy's the captain of the Iron Fleet, and now you're, or the admiral or whatever it is, and now it's like, yep, this guy is it. Yeah, I see why now. I can totally see why him jumping over with his full plate of armor and stuff is the equivalent of me doing my crossword puzzles in pen. You know, it's just it's awesome. <laughs> That's the only way to do them. That's how no I regrets. Really, yeah, you know. Fuck it, it's that word now if I'm wrong, you know. <laughs> Fuck you, that's not a word. But it, yeah. And that one's wrong, this one's a word too. Yeah, flithy uh, also means dirty. It's not just filthy, so. <laughs> assholes. Uh, but the, but it's, his uh, real strength comes from his confidence. It's that guy that can reach up and catch a sword in his hand. It's almost like the armor is his, like, invincibility cheat code at that point. Like, it's really not... Like that's just extra to his confidence, I yeah. think. But... Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really mixed about it. I feel, I mean, for sure, he's, you know, he's a total dealer of death here. He's winning. He's he cuts down. I don't know a dozen people in this battle, something like that, maybe a, a few less. I don't know, but uh, it's a lot, right? But he's dealing with people that are not armored. He makes a point of that himself sure. uh, to point out their cowardice of of not being you know, true men of the sea that they're afraid of drowning in their armor. And he just trusts to his armor. He trusts that they can't hurt him. And 
again, I, I watched a little bit about armor, like real heavy plates, like reinforced like steel. There's a lot of different kinds of armor, but real heavy plate, you cannot get through it with a sword. Not unless you hit a joint or something. And George is pretty good at, at noting that in his different battle sequences, that you've got to find a weak point in the armor. And Victarion knows that, and he's he's fighting ragdolls. He's fighting meat puppets, right? And he knows it, and he just, you know, swing away, Meryl. <laughs> it reminds me of, of Lord of the Rings during the whole prologue sequence in the film on Fellowship, where Sauron enters oh, the yeah. battle, yes. and he just starts swinging that mace around, you know, and guys that are just big mace. He's yeah. just, like, exploding mm-hmm. people across the field. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like... I, I, I pictured the books when you said that. I'm like, where they talk about tobaccos grown in the South Farthing? Man, fucking, <laughs> like, yeah, I thought the exact same thing. Deep I thought cut, that's... John. It's deep cut. Yeah. <laughs> oh, a bowl of the old Toby, huh? Yeah, fuck yeah, hit that shit. Deep cuts only yeah, here, yeah. my friend. <laughs> no, I think it's in the North. I think it's because, essentially, this is probably the last time that we're not going to talk shit about Vic. Yeah, right? let's I get mean, it all so... out now. So let's get all that out right here because this is, I mean, I think the fact that he's, he knows he's fighting unarmored guys, but he doesn't also, they could armor up, you know, trusted your, you don't trust in your God. You know what I mean? That I, I, I kind of, I would never be that way, but I can respect that kind of mindset where like he walks it like he talks it. And the other part of it is that, um, he's not he's not crass or crude. Like he, he certainly has, you can tell he's a product of his environment talking about, you know, slitting the throats of the, the wounded and, you know, kind of having a disdain for POWs in general, you know? Um, but at the same time, he, he gave, was it Sari? Yep. Sir Talbert Sari. Yep. Talbot, his, his due, you know, he did, you know, and it was like, he was, there wasn't really anything dishonorable and the, the Ironborn are full of, you know, cranked McShort dicks that just like, you know, it's like, ah, I fucking, you know, fuck this wife and I did all this bullshit. You know, there's a lot of hubris. There's a lot of nonsense. And, you know, he seems to, you know, he knows who he is. And there seems to be a station about how he comports himself. You know, at least what we see in his mind. Again, they could be looking at this, you know, and he's like, ha face me! You know, and they're like, oh, fuck this guy. You know, but... He's he's got part of what you said there. I, I think he has a respect for battle in itself, and so it's the business that he does. He takes it seriously. He respects those that are doing it as well, uh, despite the fact that they're his foes. And it's about the most noble thing we got going for him. And you're right. We're probably gonna rip him apart in the next few pages, <laughs> but yeah, for for what he does, you know, business is good. Yeah, he says yeah. that was why he'd been put on earth to stand steel clad with yeah. an axe red and dripping in his hand, dealing death with every blow. And when he was old and gray, he would steal their he would steal the banners so that when he was old and gray, he could hang them in his halls to remind him of his glory. It's not like this dude is disillusioned about what he is. When he's old and he can't do this anymore, he wants memories of what he could use what he used to could do. Wants to look used back. To could. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's not a fatalist. He's not like, you know, or at least a nihilist. You know, it's like he pictures a day where, he, you know, he can get out of it. You know, it's like, must be like how evil Knievel felt like in the 80s. You know, like, you know, I just almost get there and I don't have to do this shit anymore. You know, I'll look back and be proud of it. You know, it's not, 
you know, he's definitely strong in his faith, but he's not suicidal in it, you know. Yeah. So Chase, Chase is recording our Monty Python references. Chase, could you start a log of our Evil Knievel references? That's one. I got one more Check. sitting on it, but it really depends on what <laughs> what trigger words you use. Evil Knievel, John? Really? <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I'm working off a list. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so. So he he talks so so turning the conversation a little bit you know this is how victorian lives he's built for battle this is what he understands he understands crushing a foe beneath his heel he even says would that he could deal with the crow's eye as simply this is how he wants to solve problems mm-hmm. he wants to just crush his enemies in front of him he doesn't he's not complicated enough to solve other types of problems he doesn't no. he's not he's not going to figure that out but I ask, I want to ask you guys, what if, what if he did, what if he did just deal with the crow's eyes simply? What would happen? If he just put his axe through his head? Yeah. Well, it, what do you it, think would happen? It all hangs on the the fact that he doesn't want to be named Kinslayer, right? Yeah. Like all of it, because it's it. it's kind of, you know, thinking about this today. I, I was talking to you know Anne about this. Was the what was to prevent Euron, you know, instead of having uh, Balon bumped off, or, you know, probably, that was probably the connection. Why couldn't if he had done exactly the same things in the names uh, in the name of Balon? You know, like, yeah, I'm going to go get you your shit. And, like, give me your guys, and I'll, you know, we'll go do this. Well, I'll make your kingdom a reality. You know, and it's, and I think it was what prevented him from doing that. You know what I mean? It was whether it was a grudge, whether it was because he didn't want to be, tied up in how that would look out him eliminating his brother. And I think that same kind of principled stand um, for what it's worth is what drives Vic. That that's not, mm-hmm. you know, I'll get you. I'm not going to get you that way, you know? And I think that's, he's trusting that because he believes that he's got the right of it, that the right of it's going to come to him and he'll have his moment that he can do exactly that. But you're right. I think that that would be, you know, oh, problem solved. But I also think as a as a exercise, if you take um, him out of that environment and say you make him um, whatever the admiral title is instead of Stannis, you know, or if Stannis was king and Vic was his, you know, high admiral, like would he master fun- of ships? Master of ships. Would he function in a basically a civilized lot and i think he would i think the guy is completely a product of you know i don't think he acts any more barbaric than any of his other people you yeah know? and i think that if he was if how you did business was done in a certain way in the more genteel or more you know the conventional aspect of the seven kingdoms then he would do it that way but like this is the game he plays because this is the game he understands mm-hmm. and you know it's I think it's that simple because he's a fucking dummy. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember the exact. I can't remember the exact sentence, but it says something like, uh, "It's not following, but uh, fo- following came easy to Victorian, right?" Yeah, like, like uh, duty or you know. Uh, That's what I was going to bring up. It's obedience came naturally. Obedience to Victorian Greyjoy. He'd been born yeah. to it, right? And thanks, Matt. Same and uh, 
that's kind of the, that's the big diff that and the and the fact that he just cares so intensely about the old way and the ironborn that's the big difference between him and euron is euron couldn't give two craps about the ironborn he cares nothing about the ironborn culture nothing about anything that has to do with anything it's all about him and victorion greyjoy is all about that old way um but obedience comes naturally to him so i agree with john i think that uh the reason he hasn't killed euron is because he has to follow the old way he's even so like dwight shrewdish in his way of following the kinslayer rules like is it in this chapter or is it in another victorion chapter where he's like well if i have someone else kill him yeah, it's this Does one. Does that yeah. still make me the kid? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Like He's that, trying to find a way around. Yeah. That is the law it's, according it's to the rules. But he, <laughs> yeah, he. Uh, that is the law according to the rules. Uh-huh. And and that's Vic, man. But I think that that obedience coming naturally to him would manifest itself in just about any situation he found himself in. Well, I, think there's a, I think there's a little fear in there, too. I think I think the Ironborn, unlike most of that's the other religions, faith. they kind of fear their god mm-hmm. a little bit. And that's they fear their god's retribution. Yep. Most of them don't seem to do that. They they respect power and things like that, but the Ironborn seem to really fear their god a little bit. And 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 they hold them in and they hold the drowned god in probably higher esteem too. It's it's fear, but also respect. It's, it's, a, a, it's a very interesting culture. It's a fear of missing out. It's almost like the Valhalla thing with Vikings, which I happen to be watching. It's like, if I screw this up, I'm not going to be feasting with, you know, in the... Mm-hmm. Like the Greyjoy FOMO. That's... that's exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, what? It, oh. it, what it's funny, though, is that, like, okay, so I, I think we, should, we need to circle back to this, you know, later, because I don't, don't want to get it too ahead of ourselves, but... That loyalty thing is, we're told he's loyal, mm. right? And he says he was, it, yeah. And he was loyal to his brother's wishes. You don't see anything that's, that shows otherwise. But it feels, you know, what's to come is a really big ask of loyalty. You know what I mean? To, so much so that I kind of, like, fourth wall it and look at the author and, like, Mm. you know yeah. it's like would that really you know i'm gonna show him how it's a good thing you just told me how loyal he is because <laughs> i wouldn't buy this otherwise yeah i wouldn't yeah it's like oh well she, we we know he's gonna do it because you said so you know and <laughs> that's i think it's you know the beginning of seeing some real you know not the only time where there's some fingers on the scale when it comes mm-hmm. to vic it um hmm in a, uh, a negative way, you know, in, in such a way, I think that other characters don't suffer. Right. And that's kind of, you know, I guess I'm going to put it out there. Part of the reason why I selected this chapter is because I think that there's a, there's a lot of things that are very, you know, motivations of Stannis, Danny, where she's coming from. There's a lot of things that are um, parsed and explained and debated. And I think that there's no kind of discussion on some of these fringes one of them being, you know, Vic, where it's like, <laughs> yeah, that guy's fucking stupid. And so um, I'm not countering that, but I think that it's like it's it, it'll give you pause, I think, to see something so blatant in a story that's dissembled so many different ways that we see this guy that's like, okay, you see this coming, we say it's coming, and then it comes. You know what I mean? Where there's that kind of telegraphing of exactly what 
hmm. that his predetermined fate, where you don't get that from other characters. You know what I mean? You might go back on a reread and like, yeah. oh yeah, that's a weird line, or oh, okay, I can see it now. You know, Rob, for example, or whatever. But but for him, it's pretty linear, and I, it's right off the bat disadvantageous, and that what kind of makes me gives me pause. It's like, why is that here then? You know what I mm. mean? It's like, what are they doing with you? Yeah, good point. Why? Yeah, why did you have to put a stooge in here? You know what I mean? If it's because it's got to be more than that. Right. And so yeah, he, he's very direct about what he's going to do. We find out at the end of this chapter and we'll get there exactly what he's planning to do for the remainder of the books, frankly, that we have so far. We know what he's going to do. It's going to take him a long time to do it, but he's very direct about it. There's no it doesn't feel like there's a lot of trickery here. He's going to do this. We know him to be just kind of a direct, straightforward thinker. That's what he's going to go do. Mm-hmm. And he's he's told us exactly what he's going to go do. And now it's just a matter of will it unfold that way? And kind of, I think George is playing us a little bit because he knows we know it's not going to go that way. And we'll maybe we'll talk about this a little bit later, but like, how is he going to just go get Danny? She's in a walled city with an army. Like, he can't just go leave that's, her. That's his confidence, probably. man. He's well, always Or done his it. ignorance. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, for sure. Or his they simplicity. It's like, it's, it's simplicity, right? It's, it's just task... Okay, I'll complete it. Like, right. I don't well, need to even, worry about Even anything. the tools he's given. It's like, okay, so, like, well, we're here on the map. It's over here. I'm going to give you a horn that basically microwaves anybody that blows it. So, <laughs> that's... This, no, for, for real, bro. This is going to bring the dragons in, right? I mean, I know we tried it out and it just killed the guy on the demo, but you got to, you know... Yeah. Gotta believe me, you know, and and you know, Vic's like, yes, this is exactly what's gonna happen. And it's just no, like that's not. Got to give me a little bit more than that, man. You know what I, I mean? mean? And I think it's there. He just, even tells you that his gifts are poisoned before yeah. getting that gift. So I mean, yeah, he's he's just kind of following the lead and just gonna do what he's told and thinks it's as simple as that. Yeah, and it, 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 it's like he also, he says his little moment, of, there's like the alcoholic moment of clarity, like it's the lost weekend or whatever. Or, you know, it's like, uh, yeah, all his gifts are poison. And then you go to the dusky woman, like, what if I killed, <laughs> what if I had him killed? What do you think about that person that I got as a gift from the guy I want to kill? <laughs> you know, what if I confided in you that, you know, it's like, well, what if what if he was dead? How How much would my life be easier? I like, know you can't speak, but I sure you hope you can't write. Yeah, I sure hope you don't know semaphore. <laughs> like, you fucking idiot. It's just mind-boggling that you know, and that's I think that sets up things for later where when you know when you meet the rest of the gang, it's you see how um the divergent interests of the Ironborn. Because obviously Oh, we'll you get know, there. You you made the point of like the the way that the relationship to their god, I think that really key people have that relationship, but I don't I don't mm. I'm not sold that it, that's a top to bottom belief. I think it interesting. Was like, it, it's like they had they went through. I I, I just don't see Quellen being that way, you know. But I think it's like this is the fundamentalists that got in, and they're like, you know, this is our time to to reign, and then everyone else basically is like. Uh, you know, what's the fucking Klondike McShortdick or whatever the fucking Newt the Barber, 
you know, yep. or what, you know, when, um, where they're just like kind of jack offs, <laughs> you know, they don't have any kind of, Oh, the drowned God said this, or, you know, it's like in the big book of drowned God, it's no, it's, they, I think that there's like, I like taking shit and, and pussy. And so it's, it's, <laughs> I, I, it's, I, think there's something to that. I've got a lot of stuff on culture and Ironborn in the next section. We can, I think we should save some of it, but I, I agree and disagree. Before we move to the next section, I do want to talk about Wet and Ready, which uh, was almost the name of this title. Uh, he finishes the battle and comes to the Dusky Woman and she is wet and ready. And I just wanted to say, no, I'm not judging her specifically, but humans are weird. I 100% believe that people would be aroused by the thought of war ha- warfare happening above them. Yeah, I don't get it, but humans are weird that that's a thing. Yeah, I think it's weird that we get Dip aroused yeah. by Dip this. It is, it, Charles Banson's mailbox, you know, some of the letters that he you just you're like, wow, that's what does it for you. Mm. <laughs> okay, you know, I'll wear a funny hat, but I don't know about the murdering thing. <laughs> you know, like, I'm a little fat for, for this teddy, but you know, I'll squeeze it on, look like a sausage. I don't, I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, and she may have gotten herself ready a little bit, just knowing he was coming. But I wonder, what do you think of the theory that Euron is controlling the Dusky Woman? Excuse me. Um, I can see where they have. You don't put that there, man, without some form of communication. It doesn't have to. You know, it doesn't have to be necessarily even controlled. Like, let's give her the agency of like, yeah, I had my tongue out and I want to get back at the world. And you want me to fuck your brother up? You know what I mean? I can do that. You know what I mean? It doesn't necessarily. You know, it's a gift as as Vic sees it. But who knows how? I'm you know I'm not going to take anything that Euron says at face value. You know what I mean? Even the the smallest thing. Why? I mean, if Vic's like, well, his wizards fucking figured out that battle. No, it was clever. Of it, it was the same thing that happened at what Fair Isle or Lannis Port. The the plan that yep, Euron that Euron came up that Vic executed that went off without a hitch. There wasn't wizards. They weren't looking around a Palantir. You know, they were like, oh, let's figure it out. Let's let's burn some offal. No, it's like, well, okay, well, they're going to do this and that, and they're going to fall for it, and we're going to go. You know, and it seems very, his little plan about going, racing up the Mander and, you know, splitting forces and, and getting people to move in different ways. Like, that was, it was clever, but it was, it was simple. It wasn't, you know, this wasn't, um, uh, you know, Caesar's, you know, laying siege to Paris. It was, you know, it was like, yeah, you got that go that way. And then that's the deke. And then we'll just go in and take when nobody's there and we can kill old women and shit, which, you know, <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I think, I think the short answer to your question, Matt, was John thinks it's possible. I do. I do. I guess that's, I guess uh, that would have been the shorter route. I have not seen that theory directly, but I believe it. I think, I think for my, perspective on the ironborn matt this is a perspective you have uh with parts of the series in general i don't care just tell me in the end just tell me what it is because i don't buy <laughs> i don't buy Euron as a main villain i don't buy the ironborn as some force that's actually gonna wreck shit i think they're i'm sure they have some role to play but like i i view Euron as a cartoon not as a serious actual threat and I know I'm basically alone in the fandom, 
but that's how I feel. Yeah, that's totally fair. No, what I was referring to is there's a theory out there that Euron is actually skin changing the dusky oh, woman. I really, I really haven't seen that theory. Oh man, I didn't know it was gonna be that kind of party. I'll get fire up another joint. Like <laughs> far out, man. He's in his body. No, I know. There's, there's, there's a supernatural element that's coming up that we don't, you know, heretofore we haven't really seen, you know, or I've seen a very small. So can can you can you give me the thirty second version of the skin changing theory? Sure. This is, it was is kind of a theory put forth by poor Quentin. Um, so I'm borrowing some of the stuff that he said, but he talked about how you know only one man in a thousand is born a skin changer, and only one skin changer in a thousand can be a green seer. So if Euron's a green seer, which mm-hmm. is something we'll get to talking about later, according to this, he's also a skin changer. So. You know, potentially this dusky woman, this poisoned gift could be Mm -hmm. sent by Euron as almost like his host, poor Quentin calls it. So he could directly keep tabs on his little brother. Um, That could even be explain why she reacted the way she did when she saw Makoro, right? Yeah, it was Mm -hmm. Euron genuinely being surprised and upset and having that be the only way he could uh like express himself that that frustration and anger um poor quentin also gets a little bit darker and talks about how uh it fits euron's treatment of his other brothers in a feast for crows that he would violate not only intimacy itself and trust but sexual intimacy you know we have the the those uh, implications or hints that Euron has abused his brothers not even physically emotionally but also sexually and so this could kind of fit that uh, that he would so explicitly do something like that it's pretty much flat out stated yeah it's it's a bunch of uh, he heard Euron he, remembered the squeak of the hinge I mean it's it's pretty much stated uh, so so the theory is that he's skin changing the dusky woman from across the oceans forever away, which we've seen some evidence of maybe Arya doing that with Nymeria. Maybe it's possible, but that he's doing this across the miles. It's interesting. I disagree, but it's interesting. Can he get the, the, the X-wing out of the swamp? Is that the? Is that something he's got to do? I, I I agree though. Thematically, it would be very much like Euron to do that, for sexually, like like PQ saying, uh, and 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 just as a power maneuver in general. Forget the sex part of it. Uh, so I, I agree thematically that it kind of makes sense, but eh, I don't know. Can I? Do you mind if I point out something I don't really care for? That I've left the series alone for. This is. I don't like the fact that they fridged. Um, Vic's wife, who couldn't be given a name, even like to me that, that that's that's I, I I hate to see that that used you know and my kids have you know we've had talks about that and there's a lot of the fiction that I've enjoyed that looking at the that planned victimization of you know that uh, of a woman that's moving forward a male character's narrative and th- that's gross you know and it's there's a lot of that you know and i think that that's 
you can show characters doing terrible things any number of ways. You could have shown your um, Vic or even Euron's bestial nature in other, you know, in another manner, and not have to do it where it's it involves, you know, sex abuse and a woman, you know, regardless to whatever level. And I'm not, you know, I'm not here to shake my finger at that. But I, to me, it's like having gone a while without reading it, and then hopping into it and that's to me what that's what stood out that I was a little like kind of aghast at it a little bit you know and I don't know if it's because you know that's the only uh, you know only thing from the series that I've read in some time or if it's just because of different things that I've kind of you know availed myself to understand and then you know and then going back and looking at that it's like ah that's not fantastic you know and I don't know what you do about it you know just do better but it's I just think it's kind of, it's lazy, you know, on top of everything else that I think that that's, it's not my favorite thing to, to demonstrate what's wrong with Vic. Um, yeah. Lazy is an interesting word for it because on the one hand, this perfectly demonstrates their culture, right? That it's about taking and power and respect an authority and this example kind of demonstrates that but could george have come up with a, a different example that didn't involve involve abuse and you know all these things that that demonstrated that culture better yeah yeah maybe he could have it's an interesting thought i i haven't i didn't really think of it myself but if you do think about it i mean i feel like george kind of has a he's got a bit of a history of this right as as this being a weakness in in his characters right yeah you know and it's you know it is what it is and you know you can go forward and it's like hopefully you know it's you're gonna you've you know you've written what you have i just you know make the effort to do better going forward as far as looking at because even uh even if guys that use this you know um antagonists or villains whatever that use that method like um why like I, I think it's just not great that it's always done it's always in a sexual manner like i just don't, don't think that that's fantastic that if somebody's doing bad then it's it's there's that sex tint to it it's not mm -hmm. mm, you know and and there's a number of characters that are like that in the series and it's you know fuck almost like it's neck. a He's an asshole, almost like it's a george hang-up yeah. Rather than like character thing. Right. Maybe like a crutch. We talked about this a little bit on our test call. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it's, you know, not the end of the world. I just, it's something that it's, um, you know, trying to absorb the material a little differently. And, you know, we're in a different place than when, you know, than when we first read, you know, this series. And it's kind of just where I'm at with it, where, you know, I've purposely left this series alone after I finished Fire and Blood. Because I'm like, okay, when the when I, what's announced that the next, you know, when Wins comes out, then I'll tackle the series afresh. Well, I also had a deal with my. I think ex we're all going to have to do that. Yeah, I had a, I had a deal <laughs> with my ex roommate. This was 1996. If the Lions win one playoff game, him and I were buying season tickets together. And it it's 2021. I, I've never had. I've never felt like I was threatened. Like, oh, where am I going to come up with the money for season? <laughs> no, I never. 
It's never that Dallas game was close, buddy. Oh, they were going to get the Scroogey. That's that what's going to happen. We got one pass interference play call on Ebron away, and we're we're in. We got that game. Yeah, win. I know. We got the, we got the, we got job. Speaking of which, we probably should let's move to get to know John a little bit better. We got some we got some sports ball questions coming up. Shall we, we do that? We do. Let's do it. All right, John. Who are you? What do you do? What drives you? It's a question we ask to everybody. All right. Um, huh. I'm a bitch. I'm a lover. Um, I'm a child. I'm a mother. Yeah, those things. Um, Sinner, saint. I spend most. I uh, I spend my day, you know, imagining Sisyphus happy. Um, basically, just working it out. Um, I don't like to be defined by what I do. I, you know, worked in the auto industry, um, and that's not. I'm not like, yay, <laughs> about that, even though it's like I have it a lot better from my middle management position than most. It's still like, hmm. So. What do you um, do isn't necessarily a career question. No. Uh, what do you do with your time? I lay about. I read. Um, I bemoan my Twitter follows. I like, who dropped me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna fucking follow this. They're getting a DM. What did I do, man? Are you all right? Like, is it cool? Like, do you have a cousin I can follow? Make up for this? Um, no, it's 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 kind of. I try to. This sounds cheesy, but I try to live the life of the mind. You know, it's I experience as much life as possible in whatever you know the various ways that I can, and uh, try to make peace. Or understand everything that comes my way, you know, and that's it. Um, I'm all about my my kids. I'm all about my girl. Um, I'm all about the nerdy shit that I'm into. Everything else I don't know exists. Like I could not tell you how to get to a like an Applebee's. I have no no idea. I'm sure I drive by one, you know. But if it's like, where's the dice store or where's this bookstore or whatever, then I'm like, oh yeah, hanging left here. Da da da. You can get a Coney. And so, but well, yeah, and then obviously the training table is also a big part of who you are. The training table that was fa- that was fantastic. That was fa- that was fantastic. How do you we feel had, about fry sauce? Okay, so this is for those. I'm gonna set the table here. So the training there's table. This, there's a chain of restaurants. They're all closed, right? Is that they what? are? Yeah, they're, they're gone. Okay, so we're out on company dime. And, you know, I had an expense account and, um, we were, I don't know. It's like, well, we'll pick this restaurant. The, the restaurant to the one side is, you know, like a red lobster or whatever line out the door. It's Friday eight o'clock. Not the time that you want to be going out. There is nothing happening at the training table. My brother's like, hot damn, we'll go here. We don't have to wait. I'm like, that's a, <laughs> that's not a good sign. You know, that's not, <laughs> right. So we go in there, you know, coming in, and then there's this woman who's just bitching her man blue as they're, like, leaving. Like, you know, you motherfucker! And, like, coming out of this place, I'm like, oh, this is, yeah, this is going to be great, right? <laughs> and so we go in, and it it's like a, a it's like a rabbit warren. You can't see, it just, there's the, all these tables <laughs> or whatever, and it, you just, all the, you know, it's high back, whatever, these little cells, and you can't see anything goes in there. You know, it's like. It's true. Man, okay. And so we wander, we see, you know, we're wandering up to the front. There's like a desk way in the back. And we, 
see these phones at booths like okay you know and wander up there and like oh no you you go to your table and call in your order okay like this <laughs> this is this is a clever gimmick yeah there's like a phone yep at your at table. every table yeah at your table yeah. and so you call it in and the person who answered was surly like yeah you know like oh i'm i'm sorry you know it's like I didn't mean to troll you. I was kind of hoping to get a burger, right? And it just, every part of the experience was terrible. And so we go, like, we're going to leave, go to the bathroom, and there's, like, it looked like someone on purpose, like, jammed a wad of toilet paper in the urinal, taped the handle down. Like, we're just let it run. You know, we're going to have some Niagara Falls in there. Someone had seen that, didn't do shit about it, but did put a slippery when wet, you know, yellow floor placard. So it's like... Watch out and, you know, roll up your socks. And so go splash around, you know, and um, it, it kind of just had that vibe where it really didn't matter where you went to the bathroom because there was going to be running water there anyway to take, <laughs> take it away. Not really sure where it would go, but it, was, it would be away from you anyway. And so um, it... But, but how was the food, John? It was okay. Yeah. It was all right. The best part of it, though, it was, well, the best part of it was like 60 bucks for two burgers and a, and a whatever, you know, the, uh, I, I don't remember if there was alcoholic drinks. There certainly was afterwards. Definitely but, not. Um, so I never went to training table as an adult. I don't think I went several times as a youth. <laughs> so you didn't, you didn't actually like go under your own volition <laughs> choice. Well, I, I, I don't know. I feel, I feel like as a teen, it was kind of like a cool gimmicky place and the, the cheese fries weren't bad. And that's pretty much all we ate there, I think. Uh, but ordering by the phone was kind of like, you know, it was kind of, kind of different. I don't know. It was, it was kind of like a, just a different experience, but rabbit Warren is the first time I've heard it described that way. And I love it. I'll definitely be stealing that because it is true. You walk in there and it was just very, every wall is like high backed and you couldn't see shit. And you kind of had to like go hunt for a table. Yeah. It's a good description. Plus, I want to creep on who I'm eating with. You know what I mean? Like, what's this guy look like? What's his deal? You know what I mean? And, and it's really rude. I'll do it. But I'll like, go right up to their booth. Like, what? you know, oh, you're with him? Mm, that's okay. You know, the next one. You know, what's your deal? Divorce dad? Get him the fries. That's good shit. You know, and they're like, just work on down, you know. But, oh, God, that place is fucking awful. It really <laughs> was. Otherwise, you know, I loved living out there. There was so many fantastic things to see and do. Yeah, I loved Ogden, but um, no, that was that was. I can honestly say that was my only like unfortunate dining experience. I feel like you're ripping on Matt's favorite restaurant oh. or something. We haven't heard from him yet. Training training table was uh, training table was my my fault. Yeah, yeah. I figured you more <laughs> for yeah, a Moore's guy. Oh no, no. <laughs> training table was awful. It was awful, Scott. All right. Um, uh, that's just something we first bonded over at Ice. That's true. So that's true. Had to bring it up again. Besides the song of Ice and Fire, John, do you belong to any other fandoms? Um. Uh, kinda. Like I have the good sense to lurk in all the other fandoms. You know, mm-hmm. it's I'm. I'm getting on in years. I don't know if that's. I don't know if you guys knew that or not. Oh, it's it's evident. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I wasn't sure if that was. You know, I wanted to make sure it was like talking to a, you know, early onset uncle, you know, God, just get him off. And, uh, <laughs> oh, God. 
But uh, I'd have to, um, yeah, I think it's like I, I'm into, you know, I'm into Dune. That was really my first series of, like, it wasn't really a fandom. It was the first series I was into, you know, that I was aware of a fandom. You know, and, and Twin Peaks was another thing, you know, t- two David Lynch jams, mm-hmm. you know. And, you know, that was really the first community that was like a fandom as we understand it in the modern age, you know. And there's things that I enjoy, you know, it's like hmm. MST3K, um, Lord of the Rings. There's a lot of, like, basically, you know, my my nerd pedigree is just, you know, it's it's really good. I'm like the, you know, Noam Chomsky and nerds, but... Um, at the same time, um, I do have the good sense not to say anything in, in all of them except for this one. This one, it's like, you know, the ASWAF community, it's already been spoiled. I've already ran my mouth. You know, it's like I've already said some dumb shit. I, I've called Brienne, a, you know, a sleepy-eyed cow on another podcast, right? It's like there's not it, – it's – Oh, John. You know, it's like... Making yeah, friends I, along at, the yeah, way. at your, you know, at your, you know, at, the, at your meet and greet that you had at, at the Ice and Fire Con, I was the only person, I was like, you know, fuck a bunch of dick crabs in the neck. You know, it's <laughs> like, I had the courage to say it, you know, and it's like, I hope you guys get hate mail, you know, because if, you know, after this, anyway, that's why I'm pushing the P.O. box so I can, like, send a bob and, like, dude, these dick crab people are crazy. They bomb me. <laughs> <laughs> the dick but, crab people are crazy but we love them yeah they're great they're great um and they can take a joke um but uh they have to they have to uh scoreboard um that's right but uh no i guess that's it you know nothing is as involved as it is you know with with this group and um it's fantastic i love the community you know i like how people look out for each other you know, on the whole, you know, it's like this, Generally, yeah. it's a group of friends and, um, that each one in turn gets to kind of show off a little bit and show, you know, what they bring. And that's not a requisite, you know, that's the, that's the nice thing is that you don't have to be a content creator. I'm certainly not. Um, but you can engage with essentially anyone and get feedback and understanding and, and put you on a, a you know, a, a greater understanding or appreciation of the work, you know. But you know what sucks about the fandom, though? What's that? They're, by and large, pretty ignorant about sports. They, they really are. There's really it's, are. There's, there's a couple that know what they're doing. Um, uh, Frank Bum, this is your one shout out. Otherwise, fuck ooh, off. Um, Frank. But, uh. You know, uh, Anthony, another one. Uh, but for the most part, it's like sports ball. You know, Gene knows his stuff. Gene knows his stuff. Gene knows his stuff. Absolutely. Um, Clint. There's a few of them out there. Um, but by and large, no. That that's then that's part of you know honestly that's um, you know my involvement with really the Twitter group uh, or the Twitter people online came through you guys. It was you know it, it was the March or the Song of Madness tournament. And um, kind of the sports adjacent theme that it has, um, and some of the conversations that result ar- around from that, we get to find out how many bad opinions Matt has. It's a it's <laughs> it's fucking wild. I thought I was at the tank. 
I can go all, uh, all, all day. day. You're like all, all day. day. This, this is America's this ass. This is my impression of Dave Matthews going through the Colorado Avalanche roster. You know, it's like, oh, I'm so <laughs> you know, Joe Sackick. That was as good. Seven reasons why the Colorado Avalanche will always. This be is my impression of Satellite by Adam Foot. <laughs> Adam Foot would never sing Satellite. It's DMB's worst uh, song. What? Uh, He's right. It's an opinion. I do not like satellite. Uh, I do not like. I have satellite. personal memories tied up in satellite, so I probably rate it too highly. Yeah, it's totally a lighter at the concert song. It's... You're a DM. I'm a former DM. I gave up a little while ago, but maybe I'll be back someday. Tell me what about I'm Dungeons go mute for a second? What's a... all right? Go ahead. We'll, we'll, we'll carry this conversation for a couple of minutes. This is uh, esoteric. This is like the Sufism of nerddom. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. there's we start whirling around and start speaking in tongues. That's Matt's like he's checked out. You know, I appreciate, I appreciate that. But ululating. Where's my book of Mormon? Do it. Actually, All right, there we go. I'm just gonna do. I'm just gonna do some. Which one reading. is gonna put you to sleep first? It's a contest. <laughs> the pearl beyond price. I I didn't know I left that in a year. <laughs> Um, what about Dungeons and, Dry- D- Dungeons and Dragons inspires you specifically, John? What? What? Uh, why? Do, why do you do it? Um, it's a fantastic way of getting in headspace in a fictional le- manner. You know, it's it's something that you know as far as. It doesn't even necessarily have to be the role play aspect of it, but thinking about what your character would do, what their motivations are. Um, excuse me. Um, and how they would function in that space. And I think that if you're attuned to that, that um, it gives you a much broader understanding. If, if you could apply that to, to writing or whatever kind of fiction that you want to develop, it, it really gives you... Um, because I'm, you know, I'm kind of a sociopath, so I don't understand empathy. But when I, I pretend, first. but but when I pretend, then I'm like, you know, it's like, oh, so that's why people hug their moms. That's fucking wild, you know. It's but there is there's in truth there is an element there where it's you you understand things. And there's times that I've played. Um, I don't think I'm a particularly good DM. I prefer to play. You know, because I, I want to sit there and click my pen and like, all right, I'm going to Eldritch Blast this fucker to nothing. And then, you know, and then roll my magic rocks and like, uh, uh, I got a seven. Does that do it? No, <laughs> never. This really comes down to math fucking me. Who would have figured? And then, <laughs> um, but I enjoy the, the creative aspect. The It's not communal storytelling because it's not predetermined. At least if it's yep. done right, it's not. You know, it's a it's a collaborative it's reactive event that you know and, and it's like there's the interaction with the dm there's the interaction you know in, in, within yourself and how you relate to the material at hand and there's a game yep. mechanic that i find frankly fun you know i i, I enjoy it um, you enjoy the math the math no no I, i'm really <laughs> not good at the math actually um but i enjoy but i appreciate the fact that there is math you know, uh-huh. it's, there's uh, like a, a set of rules that you're following to get to a conclusion. Yeah, 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 yeah. You uh-huh. know, there's there's a certain um, 
gambler aspect, I guess, to it as far as, you know, trying to game and who you're playing with and, yeah. you know, and trying to get ahead of the DM or as a DM getting ahead of your players, um, especially when they don't take notes because then it's like, I'm going to fuck you guys all to death, you know, with something. I just haven't figured you're not out what it is for. yet. That, um, so that was the most frustrating part for DMing for me was that I was, I feel someday, I hope, I hope they never listen to this, uh, I feel like I was always way too far ahead of my players. They're just here for fun on a Friday night. I am basing my life around this game that I spent hours preparing. And they're just like, oh, yeah, what happened last session? I don't remember. What was my character's name? I don't know. You know, and and so staying ahead of them was too easy. And I spent far too much energy caring about it. And so it kind of burned me out a little bit. Right. But but to me, the mechanics, I cared less about. I, f- I feel like if I could just get together with a group of people and pretend to be different people for a few hours every weekend, I would trade D&D for that. Like, I don't, I don't need, I don't need, I don't need the game. I just need a story well, to I think pretend I, with I, friends ideally about that's what, that's what happens. And then I think yeah. that, that the game only gets leaned in mm-hmm. on when it comes to certain decisions having to be made. Advancing the story. Yeah. You know, yeah. but I don't think that it all should either. It's a, it's a poor story that depends on a, a mathematical, yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Where it's like, if your players are engaged in a certain way, you want to reward that, you know? And if they're not, you want to fucking TPK all of them. Like, you go home, I fucking killed all your characters. I like, don't want to, now. You know, and you, you kick killing them out of your my house characters is my throw their Killing my characters is my worst like, nightmare. Fucking, I'm bringing the Mountain Dew next week, you know? I don't want to kill any of my characters. Well, no. John, I could, spend, I could spend hours talking to you about... Uh, D and D, and actually, we have spent quite a few times. Yeah, like, yeah, we've quite a few minutes talking D and D. And I don't think past. we're done playing together. That's going to be fun. Hopefully but... not. Hopefully not. But let's let's move on for the sake of those that don't care about D and D, like our co-host. Certainly. Hey, I will say this: I was at my uh, I was at my twins's an, a, a assembly at their middle school the mm. other day, and before the assembly like kicked off, they were doing all these announcements and stuff. And I'll tell you what, these two young men got up there in front of the whole school and made the pitch to everybody to come and join their D&D club. And I thought that was just about the raddest thing I had ever seen. And you could see the nice. snickers and stuff from people in the audience. And those two boys just stood up there firm and just said, we play D&D after school on these days and we want you here to play with us. It's super cool. And they kind of explained what it was. And I was just proud of them. I thought of you, Scad. And for all the snickering... There were about five kids that were like, holy shit, that's a thing? I'm going to try that out. That's a thing? And it probably opened up their world to a whole new things. I, I, one yeah, of my great it's... regrets is that I didn't find D&D in high school. Honestly, I wish I had found it earlier. Anyway, enough about me. Let's get back to John. Anyways, what do you got? Well, John, you actually mentioned that you had a, a, a Song of Madness question for us. I did. Well, I got a couple of questions here for you. Oh, no. All right, so... He's flipping the tables. The training table has been flipped. Well, there's... I'm picking up the phone. All right. I'm calling him over. First-time caller, long-time listener. I'll hang up and listen. Um, I imagine everyone in a song of madness basketballing. It's one-on-one. And that, that originally, that's what it was. I'm like, you know, his inside game's good. He's got that sweet fade. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, he's got a jumper that's kind of wet. You know, it's like he can, you know, he can step back. He's, you know, it's like he does that little hip check. That's how I picture all of them. That's how, you know, when I fell out my bracket, I'm like, you know, oh, that guy's, you know, short king. That guy's getting smoked. So that's why you never quicks. vote for old man. And then, uh, and then 
you know, from there, you know, then, then it's like I, you know, I've gone very derivative. But you guys, like, what do you picture? Do you fill out a bracket too? Do you, how do you imagine when you look For at these guys? Do you imagine like actual like physical combat, or how do you mentally look at these matchups? Like, um, like I have Oof. my template for next year is going to be I'm going to assign everyone in it a sports team that I think they represent across the four major sports, right? Nice. And not that just championship like ones. Like it's like oh, it's like the O three Mets or whatever. It's like oh, they fucking suck ass. You know, they they just awful like yeah that's them you know and so i'm gonna map that out and then i you know across sports i'm gonna map that down but what do you guys like how do you envision your own creation what a terrible answer that i'm about to give but i don't man like i see it as as work but fun work but like work (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if that's making sense. You're right. It's a terrible answer. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just like basking in. I'm kind of basking in watching everybody else react to it that I don't even think about it myself. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. I, um. For me, you know, same. I, I think. I think the biggest, the biggest part of it is reactive. It's it's watching everybody else and, um. You know, I, I don't want to. It's like what, being a parent on. It's like being a parent on Christmas but, morning, watching yeah. your kids open their presents. That's me watching a song of madness every and day, and yet it's carnage, right? Instead of joy. But um, so, so I agree. That's that's the main part of it. But I do write the summaries, and so I am forced to think about the characters and how they relate. So I don't think of them. I don't think of it at all as a competition. What I'm always looking for, and probably how I view them after they're posted too, because I'm colored by the fact that I thought about them that way is I'm looking for similarities or contrasts in the characters themselves. And I'm just looking for literary, literary comparisons that make sense and that will, you know, that will tickle people really. And so that, that's what I'm looking for and that's how I view it. And then, and then, yeah, then the rest of it is just chaos and and enjoying watching it. I get, I get tickled pink when anybody comments on one of the, on one of the matchup descriptions, you know, that, that they really liked what I wrote or something like that. So that like, I get a, it's, it's, it's sad how much value I get and how much worth I get out of comments about the matchup text that I create, because I spend quite a bit of time thinking about it and, and comparing the characters. So I, I do think about it a lot, but it's not in any sort of actual sports ball-y way. Right. You know, it's, I, I enjoy it thoroughly. I enjoy like quote tweeting and commenting on it. And I, it's um the only i guess not it's not a reservation on that i wish people would lighten up a little bit you know it's myself included sometimes well it's like i can handle someone running downhill at b and so likewise i don't mind running downhill on someone else but i don't take anything to heart you know what i mean it's like at the end of the day it's like this is my world you know this is this is why, you know, what I have here that's not digital is my life, and that's what I appreciate. And so if somebody's like, you know, fuck that noise, Brianne's this or that, you know, and it's like, that's, to me, the, I like that kind of shit talk. Like, I, I yeah. appreciate that. You know, put some skin in the game. You know, because we're, we're, you know, we're all doing it for laughs. We're bored out of our fucking minds. It's been 10 years since a book <laughs> come out. You know what I mean? People need to, like 
figure out where they can get their entertainment. And to me, it's a fabulous, I, I, I've met more people through it. It's a lot of fun to engage. It's always a great time for me, you know, and I think it's a fantastic thing you guys do. Um, Thanks. As, as one of the co-fantasy football owners in one of my leagues, that is a pretty serious league said, some people on this thread just need to calm down and do some fucking yoga. You know, like that. That's how people need to deal with Song of Madness sometimes. Yeah, like, go outside, like, walk around for a little calm bit. Down. You know, pull some calm leads, down. You know, just yeah. yep. chill out a little bit. At the same time, I hate being told to calm down. Like, don't tell me how to be passionate. Anyway. Right. Throw a recommendation for us, John. A book, a band, a movie, a TV show, something. What do you got? All right. Um, everyone should see, um, while it's out there, The Other Side of the Wind, Orson Welles' last film on Netflix. Um, it was, it stars John Huston. I haven't watched it yet in the Netflix form, but I've seen clips of it. It was kind of like a, it's for a film buff. It was really kind of our grail. You know, it, as far as how long it was not available to people, how it was, how it, you know, how the film was made. And it, to me, the bigger story is like, it's, it's, it exemplifies something that somebody's passionate about, that if they have to go through years in order to make this happen, they will, you know? And I think that it's, it's something that speaks well of this fandom. It's a passionate group. They all have their thing, you know, and... I think it's to me that's an example of that being in a in a certain medium, and it's you know in film. Um, it was the other side of the wind. Yeah, yep. Um, as far as an album, everyone should own a copy of uh, "Exile on Main Street" by the Rolling Stones and uh, "The Redheaded Stranger" by Willie Nelson. If you do not own those two albums, then well, everything that you own is superfluous to greatness. Um, and that's that's, and that's really it and then like for fuck's sake like a couple of my tweets man i get the same <laughs> i get i i get the, this is the compliment i get in dm oh you know john i you know i really like your shit you know it's like i i read it i i laugh i think it's funny but i'm kind of afraid to lo- yeah i don't want to click on, what's it like are you gonna get like you know hepatitis hepatitis b if you you know go ahead that's, that's some brilliant shit fucking like that i'm a goddamn genius but calisar follow dob john and like the shit <laughs> so i mean not to be self-aggrandizing i mean that's let me, let me get that in there real quick but, but, but I, uh, uh yeah, let's get back to the know, chapter what what do you love about this chapter why'd you choose it well it's coming up and okay to me it's because fuck Vic, I do have a, a soft spot for him, you know, just because for whatever reason, like everyone says, oh, you know, the, there's the dumb argument. Oh, look how stupid he is. You know who's stupid? Brand stupid, you know. True. But she does the right thing. You know what I mean? And then it's like, here's Vic, and it's not like he's doing the wrong thing. He's doing the wrong thing according to you. You know, but in his work, like these are the right decisions, the same to way him, that Brienne is making the yep. right decisions. Yep. You know what I mean? It's just one's fucking, you know, and then the other one's, you know, probably dead soon anyway, too. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> get that P.O. box, guys. Um, so the um, I find that interesting, but it's the reader, right? I find that the reader is such an anomaly to the, the, Iron the, the Ironborn. 
And not only is he anomaly, he gets away with it. Yeah. Right? To me, it's not just the fact that he's like, while he's, you know, holding forth and he's got a book, like, you know, man, this, you know. Yeah, it's You know, this is is some good shit. It's his application, you know, in in a society that does not go for that. We're going to we're going to get to it. I think it's in the last section instead of this one, but it's pretty amazing he doesn't get just beat down by Euron in this chapter to me. Just right. like assault. And I think yeah, that's and I want to circle around on that cuz that's certainly we'll come, like we'll come to it. Or even after, yeah, right? Some yeah. sort of retribution. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right, well let's get to it. Yep. Summary part 2, we ready? He drank in the darkness and pondered why the Ironborn followed Euron at all. Any of a number of people could kill him, including himself, but would they? He dared not, as the drowned god looked poorly on kinslayers. Would anyone else do it? Seemed unlikely, as Euron was winning over the Ironborn. More on that later, but even his own brother Aaron, who called the king's mute, was looking to Victarion to remove Euron from power insisting that Euron had corrupted the king's moot with his sorcerers. And yet, and yet, Victorian refused, putting trust in the drowned god and their system of choosing. But Aaron insisted that Euron was a godless man that must be removed, and is even now back on the Iron Islands, using his voice to sow, sow doubt and raise a rebellion against Euron. And as Vic thought of all this, his ships protected the rear and pulled survivors out of the water. They counted the ships lost and gained, a net of 32 ships won as the Iron Fleet returned to Lord Hewitt's town to celebrate. Yeah, Victarion drank wine to dull the pain in his hand as they came to Lord Hewitt's town. It was well looted, and as he walked to the keep, he saw another abomination. The Ironborn had shown no mercy and taken no prisoners, but they had taken slaves. Yes, despite their cultural preference for thralls, Euron has them taking slaves, and Victarion has more bile in his mouth. It was not the old way, but it was Euron's way, apparently. And Euron's way had won them the shields. Before arriving at Lord Hewitt's keep, though, he met Lord Harlaw, who was unimpressed. These rocks, you mean? We have won some stones and trees and trinkets and the enmity of House Tyrell. Yeah, Harlaw's unimpressed, warning of the full strength of the Tyrells. But Vic welcomes it, dying to try himself against the best of the best. The reader reassures him he will get his chance. Euron had allowed Hewitt's ravens to fly. It's a riotous feast and party at Lord Hewitt's keep. The Ironborn have plunder, they have food, they have drink, and they have women too. All the noble women of Hewitt's keep are now serving them their feast and drink, naked, at the request of Euron's new pet, Lord Hewitt's bastard daughter. Victarion's wounded hand led through his bindings as he stewed on the dishonor that Euron had brought to their foes. It was one thing to kill a foe and another to dishonor him, and the treatment of those women only served as a reminder of the dishonor with which Euron had treated Vic himself by bedding his wife. Euron climbed the table in front of him, and the men shouted, Euron! 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 Vic's hand continued to bleed. All right, this middle section, uh, kind of kind of the central piece, bookended by the battle and bookended by what, what I think is 
the centerpiece of the chapter that John alluded to before with uh, a challenge to Euron. This one's a little bit uh, a little bit of a slower section to me. What do you guys got? Well, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's basically, it's filling in the edges, right? You know, it's like, oh, this is basically how these things played out. I, again, revisiting the, I, I'm not comfortable with, or this is kind of yucky, the, you know, the uh, Lord Hewitt's, the, the women of the house and their nudity and kind of the pettiness that was, that led to that situation with, with uh, Lord Hewitt's bastard, bastard daughter. Um, it, uh, you know, it, it, it's, the, you know, it, it's the feast that, you know, that what they have recently won and it's not great. You know, there at least from Vic's point of view, and I think that that's, um, uh, he's canny enough to sense that there's an issue. You know, mm -hmm. very give, much. I, yeah, I give him that. That there's, it's not just because I think that if it was all pure loyalty on his part, that it'd be like, yes, this is a great victory. You know, this is what we did, and you know, again, you know, the the magical aspect of it, or that there was, it's very canny. How they won what they won, you know, and um, it's I, I, it's in this section or the next where they start divvying up. No, I think it's the next where they start. It's the next one. Yeah. Um, but it really kind of sets the table for for what's to come, you know. Um, you know what what immediately precedes it anyway. There's some subtler stuff in this section. I, I I feel like, you know, I've never been, I like Theon fine. I like Asha a lot. Um, as, you know, I like Theon as a POV. I don't, I don't love him, but I like Asha, Asha a lot. But the Ironborn in general, I've never, I've never liked. I don't, I don't know that I really understood exactly why, but rereading this chapter helped me, I think, put a bit of a pin on it. They just, they kind of have no humanity to them. It's just take, take, take. They've never had a lot, right? So they kind of just, whatever they can get, they just take. And, you know, they don't like slavery. But Huron says it's okay. All right, fine. They don't, they don't seem to have any sort of moral compass, I'd say at all. At all. And it really, really bothers me. They don't even really seem to want power. They just want stuff. It's weird. It's 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 like they they've never had much and they live day to day. I mean, even someone like Victorion, who's had a lot of advantages in his life, he has no plan for his life. He gets offered, uh, you know, somebody suggests maybe he'll have an island. He's like, why not an island? Never thought of that before. Like they have no goals. They have no sense of like, can I accomplish something? It's just like, what's gonna fall in my lap or what can I take from someone else? And I just fucking hate it. And and yet they idolize the old way as as that. In that in essence, that's what it is. That's what you're describing. It is, Sked. And you know, we kind of rag on Euron a little bit for not caring about the old way. Victorion certainly does, and how he doesn't care about the Ironborn. But really, Euron's right there, right? Like, why should I care at about? At least the he Ironborn? has a damn yeah yeah. At least he's got a damn goal. At least he's got ambition. At least he's trying to do something, right? <laughs> And yeah, he's cutting yeah. tongues out of people and stuff. 
but uh, yeah, he's terrible. There's ambition but... there, and that's what sets him apart. I agree with that. You talk about Victarion having advantages, and in the Ironborn sense, yes, he has. But if you put Victarion up against other lordlings, you know, no, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Yep. in Westeros. Yeah, yeah, I think I just meant that as like comparison to other Iron to other Ironborn. Yeah, he's in the had Ironborn advantages. World, absolutely. But the Ironborn people are somewhat, they're just kind of hapless. Like, they can't grow shit. They don't have much land. They can't really move or go anywhere. And so they're just kind of, like, opportunistic. Well, Let me just take advantage of whatever situation I got right now. Fuck the future. Whatever I can get right now, that's what, I, that's what I'm taking. Well, and the elephant with the, in the room with them is, like, why are they there? All right, you have... Mm. Yeah, um, basically, you know, you have your... You know, the Conqueror, root and stem, flipping all kinds of, you know, the the, the old world order, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even later, you've had different periods where there was, you know, um, Ironborn outbreaks, so to speak. You know, even Balin, who's, I could I'd make the argument that Balin is worse than Euron, even with Euron's aspirations. Because it's that's a different otherworldly thing that he's going with. Everyone has sacrificed a son for Balin's hubris. You mm. know, it's like that's yeah. something that's mentioned. It's like, yeah, he died below the walls. You know, yeah. you yeah. know, in Pike, it, it's like mm-hmm. everyone's everyone's got skin in that game for something that was ultimately unsuccessful. And what kind Euron's of, doing the same thing? It, yeah, oh, oh, absolutely, absolutely. But it, that's that's something that they're at that at that point his unoriginality. In, in that you know it's like he's it's going to be if we're to believe what's coming it, that's going to be it you know supernatural certainly but he's really not as far as the function that you see him now at least it's certainly in this part of the story it's rather mundane he he, he is more of the same you know it's and you hmm. wonder why someone like you know whether it was bobby b or what like realistically why didn't they snuff this group of people out? Or why didn't they depopulate? Even if it was like, we're going to put everyone on a boat. You guys are coming to shore. You know, you're going to get jobs. You're going to cut your hair. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're going to learn a trade. You know, it's like, you think that they would be made to act I mean, right. They're right there. You know what I mean? It's not like, oh, it's an island that's so far off and they have a strategic. You guys fucked it up once. Like, honestly, I'm... You know, I'm a humanitarian, but burn that shit to the ground. Like, be done with them. And that's kind of what I, I just don't understand. I think it's, again, I think it's kind of a George thing. Like, it's a culture he has all in his head. They don't fit necessarily this story. They might fit their own set of stories, but for the greater whole, for everything that's happening in the Seven Kingdoms, like, like just out of just out of like depopulation of the fact that like you, how is that sustainable? You know, yeah. um, you, you figured within a generation or two of hair in the black, that that would have been it. You know, it's like, they would have, okay guys, it was a good run. Yeah. Maybe not let's have go more, get rid of these guys. Know, yeah. yeah. Let's act right. Yeah. Good call. Uh, it's one of the, one of the reasons I think, I mean, I, again, I've said before, I think Iran's going to lose at old town, but, uh, and I'm the only one in the family that thinks that. I'll say it over and over and over again until someone agrees with me. But uh, something's going to happen. George George is either a much worse writer than we all think he is, or the Ironborn are going to do something. Something that impacts the story. And 
I can't wait to see what it is. Well, they have to. They've got we've got what five POVs just from Greyjoys. Like, yeah, there's a ton. Of, like that rivals like the Starks. That's more POVs than yeah, the Lannisters have. Individual characters for sure, but I mean like the Ironborn is like a force are going to do something. I, yeah, that's what I mean. Is that's an indication I think of of having yeah. all those. I I, I kind of think. Ooh, they need to be made to act right. I love that, John. <laughs> or just wipe them out. I kind of also think terrible that it's like it's like total cultural. That that uh, <laughs> the seven king, the other six kingdoms, um, the ones that in power want to keep the Ironborn as a back pocket option. Like if we're ever going to start a war with somebody, mm-hmm. it would be really nice to have their ships and their lack of morals, and the fact that we can totally subjugate them. That would make them fantastic allies. We don't have to build ships. We'll just strike up an alliance with the Ironborn real quick. Because if they go back on it, we can just beat them down into submission again like we did at the Greyjoy Rebellion. But, uh, you know, it'll pay off to have those thousands of ships that they have. And the fact that they have no qualms about reaving and killing and doing whatever. Absolutely. But it would be nice to have that. Like, they could be your West Coast, uh, what, Valerians? Sure. Like yeah. are the you know you know what I mean where it's like yeah it's the same thing where you know we're gonna bring them in and th- they are really good at this and this is how we're gonna apply them mm-hmm. you know and they could have been co-opted very easily throw some bucks around and it's amazing what people <laughs> will do for but that... some, some some security and I think that it, there could have been at least a brain drain of like shipbuilders or whatever where they were would have been further hampered by the fact that like you're pulling them in even like the even if it was just the Starks, even if it was in the North, to mm-hmm. mitigate some of that instead of having essentially a war hostage. And, but it, but it's kind of the only thing that makes them cool. Is like they won't, they can't be bought. They can't. Like yes, it's nice to have them as like an option in your back pocket as an ally, but like they never agree to those terms. When was the last time they fought for anybody but themselves? I can't. I mean, it might have happened, but I can't think of it. Right. The idea is we'll history. make them. We'll make them. We beat but them they never do, though. Like... They don't, but I think that... <laughs> They're like they an armed about indie it, band. There's, I shouldn't say always, but it's talked about in the books of like, well, we'll just we'll just get great boy ships if we have to. Like, it's it's mentioned yeah. a couple of times. But, I don't even remember by who. But, but it never happens. They never... Yeah, I, yeah, it's, it's like... Oh, I'll just I'll find a girlfriend at the supermarket. Yeah, that'll be great. Yeah, that'll be that great. Never you know, it's like, it's yeah. I'm sure there's oh, I'm sure they're there. Sure. You like that too? And yeah, I wonder if it's because stay. of the headache of them. It's like I don't even want it. Yeah. Like I'll just figure something yeah. else out. Yeah. I'll go I'll go hire higher I'll cell get sales. Bruce Bolton to do it. Fine. And freaking Essos or whatever. But if you entertain thirty seconds of Walder Frey, don't tell me that it would be any worse than fucking listening <laughs> to Greyjoy <laughs> nonsense. <laughs> You know, like yeah. it's, I know that they, that's, you know, and then again, you have right in the middle of it, the most, probably the most wealthy man of the group. You have Roderick Harlaw, the, you know, the Harlaw of Harlaw mm-hmm. that is really kind of like your, like House Dane or House Bolton, you know, proportionately. To you know the head house, the, or, you know, the major house. There, it's like that's they're not number one, but they're certainly two. And the guy draws a lot of water, you know. And I think it's it's interesting to, you know, it's you you get the sprinklings, the misgivings, the serious stuffs coming up, but um, 
Roderick went. You know, Harlaw is there with his people. He he's bearing witness to all of this. He didn't. He could have very easily protested. Like I forget who it was. Um, kind of surprised Black, to see was him. Black Tide. Yeah, Baylor Black Tide. Yeah, yeah, he got got. You know, and of uh, uh, Dampere is we learned to find out what happened to him. You know, for running his mouth, and you know, Roddy's out there, like saying stuff and he's Roddy Roddy Harlow. Yeah. And he's still sucking air, you know, and that to me, it's a marvel. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I was kind of surprised to see him there at all. He doesn't seem like the, the warring type, you know? Yeah. What were they doing in the swan song? What was that reaving like? Yeah. <laughs> you know? they, they hung back a bit. Yeah. They, you know, they fished third, out survivors. Third or fourth wave on shore. Like you need a hand yeah. with this. We can, yeah. I'm going to burn your house, but I can carry your groceries out of, you know, like any family photos you want to get before we, okay. No. Okay. Like I'm going to pass on the rape, but anything you might have in your pockets, I'd really appreciate. I just, I have to, I have to go back with something. I have to go back with something. (laughs) Yeah. I can't, I can't be like, you know, they're going to talk. This dish. Can I take this? Is this cool? The candlestick, the candlestick. It looks like it's just pewter. Can I have that? Dude, uh, guys, I got half of this set of encyclopedias. What do you think? <laughs> this asshole. Knowledge is power. Uh, A through L. Why, why do you? Why do you think you're on let the uh, Hewitt's Ravens fly? You guys got thoughts on this? Uh, um. Well, I mean, go ahead, Matt. If you got something more immediate. Well, uh, later, and this is where we get into some wins spoilers. Euron admits that he doesn't even intend to hold the shields. He tells Aaron that his whole plan is to uh, appear open-handed by giving the shield islands to those different people, Newt, the Barber, and Andric, and Marin, and those guys, Harlaw. And then when Hightower takes the shield islands back, Euron can blame the loss on those new houses, and he won't be blamed for them. So right. it's another example of Euron not really caring about the Ironborn agenda, not really caring about the advancement of the Ironborn in general. And it calls into question why he even did it in the first place, why he even attacked the Shield Islands. And it's just to get an easy win, yeah. knowing that the Ironborn will yeah. be so excited about it, about taking these four islands. They're going to be like, we won this huge victory. And really, it's like, who cares? But they'll believe it. So he's just going to do it. It's easy for him. Well, you know, in in gaming parlance, it would be basically he's got a big AOE spell that he's getting ready right, to, to my mind. Like what he tells Dampere that it's like, well, I'll just blame, you know, we'll be able to blame those lords that lost it. There's not, it's not going to even come to that. It's not, there's not going to be like a three month later team wrap up. Like he's on his way to do shit now. Yep. You know what I mean? There's not, it was everything that's away from him are losses that he's either cutting or investing in the future with hope, you know, for at least that portion for Vic and then that portion for who he leaves behind in the shield islands. Those guys are dead to him already, yep, you know, yep. and it's, and whoever, that's why it's like in, Newt the, the, the more the merrier. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's like, yeah, come on out. Oh, everybody's here. You know what I mean? That's going to be what it is. It's going to be packing as much shit as, as he can, and with whatever his first move is going to be, you know, it's, I'm hoping Godzilla, 
I don't know. I would fuck it all. It'd be so good if he were to just, you know, the big man comes out of the water and breathes blue fire on all of them. And it's like, oh, you're on Summit Godzilla. Like, that's some fiction that I want to read. But barring that, you know, it's got to be something along those lines, right? You know, it's going to be something supernatural that's going to kill a bunch yeah, of people. feels like it. And then you're going to go from there. And I think that that's... Um, you know, he's, yeah. he's all the time bullshitting. What he tells everyone, it's always bullshit, you know? And you said, you said that he's going now. And I, I think I, I agree with that. I think this is an opportunity to lure some forces, maybe most of them uh, from High Garden, to this area instead of Old Town, which is his target, his next target. Uh, and so if the, if the forces all come by boat slowly... Uh, you know, to the Shield Islands, take them back, and they're busy doing that, then he, it's less people to fight in Old Town. So I think it's um, perhaps strategic in that way as well. Yeah, it's Willis a big rope is too smart for that. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. Uh, what else you guys got for this section? Well, all my, all my smart shit's on the next section, but I, th- I think that... Uh... I want to add real quick, you know, you mentioned uh, it's nice how Vic treats his niece. Uh, I don't think he knows her at all. He, he, he says in this chapter, in this section, that she he hopes that she can just wed some northern lord and live with him in his castle. Well, I think... It's like, he does not know her at all. Well, in... in a, yes. Yeah. Eh. But... But I even think, that, I, you I wouldn't wish a, for that. I think an uncle's like got Arthur. no business knowing what Asha's about. Do you know what I mean? I mean, that's the same thing as your grandparents. You're not that's like, funny. you know, it's like, you know, grandma gives you a hug. I love you. I hope you do this. You're like, I'm going to smoke an eight ball, grandma. You know, it's like, you can't, she doesn't know that part of it. You cannot know the details and still know what somebody's about. Yeah. Like, he should know that this is not what I Yeah, about. but he knows that, he knows what he's about and he pictures everyone else, you know, in kind. And they're either doing what he's doing or they're failing to do what he's doing. He can't imagine another way that's, you know, just as valid, that gets what it is that you want. You know, it's like even his whole, like, yeah, vote for me. More of the same. You know what I mean? He can't conceptualize even, you know, that anybody would do anything different than what his little, you know, pea brain, like, gives him the window to look at. And so... So my argument is he doesn't know Asha very well. Your argument is he's too dumb to know anyone very well. Yeah. He doesn't. Re- <laughs> he he's, he doesn't. Re- who does he relate? Because he to? doesn't care. You know what I mean? Yeah. He does. No, he Maybe. really doesn't. He probably has the best relationship, honestly, with with he's Dan right Hare, with with his brother. You know, and that's probably they have an understanding. The youngest brother is probably is, is the most influential person in his life, honestly, as far as like what the because he's he can't get direction from Balin anymore. Who he could go. And, you know, and, and, and Balin could tell him what's what, and he's like, accepts that, right? And now he doesn't have that. And so it's the next thing you lean on is the other end of it, and it's your faith, you know? And it's like, hey, this is this, this is the old way. Because that exchange between those two, you know, when they're talking, you know, before they go, it's yeah. like, it's kind of, knowing what you know, it's kind of sad to, like, watch that conversation play out, you know, because that moment at at Lord Hewitt's castle is the last normal moment that the Ironborn will ever have. Hmm. You know, that's that's 
I think everything else from that point, at least the group that's with there, no, they're tomorrow or whatever it is that you saw that little snippet of, you know, of, of um, the Forsaken. You know, yeah. that, that's some shit that they're never, they'll they'll look back at the, those as the Halcyon days when they were on the Shield <laughs> Islands taking that. Those were the salad Those were the days. And it's never going to get better for the ones that come out on that. You know what I mean? And I think that this encapsulates, I think it was an important chapter in the sense that you see that last frame, that last picture of, of this Before scenario, it all blows up. of them organizing themselves and taking their spoils and, and how they interact with everything. It could be because everything else, it's going to be a whole different set of rules, even for Vic, you know, it's yeah. going to, it's going to be, if it, you know, I mean, we'd come to that in the next one, but I think it's, everything changes for everyone going forward, you know, for good and bad. That's true. And most, mostly bad. All right. We're going to move now into uh, some quick patron. Thank yous. Thank you to everyone who supports us. We're going to just read off uh, some of those some of those fine people. We got Lindsay F. Little Wolf Bird. K.W. Dent, Batman of the Seven Kingdoms. Mm-hmm. The Heir of House Tyrell. This one. Mr. J, the Red Shirt and Black. The Bard of Legends, Aaron M. Jib. Ghost Chase Killer. Bobby S. Jeff H. And of course, Lady Fatass Red. And at our reach around level, we have B Word, the Queen Beyond the Wall. And the Mixed Mage of the Wolfswood. And at our Cheating John level, we have Misa, our Queen of Gifts and Beauty. Thank you for all your support. Yes. Thank you to all our patrons as well. We appreciate it very much. Thanks for putting up with our chicanery and silliness. Shenanigans. Shenanigans. <sighs> all right, we're going to get to know John a little bit here. John, what's your ice and fire story? How did you find it? All right, so uh, I'll. I'll try to be quick. So, 2011, <laughs> 10 years ago, 2011, yep. I read a, a, a year-end uh, top 10 from Slate of all online pu- uh, publications, which Fine had, mag. Uh, had it in there and had, um, uh, you know, Dance of Dragons in there. And I read it and I was like, incest, this is for me. I mean, I just, I don't... <laughs> I really don't know what it was. I don't read, honestly, Tolkien was my only fantasy. And Dune? Well, uh, well I read more Dune sci-fi when I was 12. Read, but... You know what I mean? And to me, that was, that's a little, the sci-fi is a little different. And that's also, I was, you know, I was like, right. you know, it was Bradbury, Asimov, Clark, you know, Herbert. More sci-fi stuff. Yeah, that's, that's what I, you know, that was my mother's book. That's what I grew up on was that kind of, that genre literature. You know, before I became, I'm like, oh, I can, you know, be intellectually exclusionary by, you know, being into Melville and shit. So it took a little bit, but I was, but, but Tolkien was the only, and I didn't read Tolkien until I was almost 30, you know? Mm. Um, yep. I, so it was like, I, I want to try, I, I had just understood what the term high fantasy was, mm. you know? And, and it's like, because I had tried reading Robert Jordan, I tried reading um some of the um uh, other D D books that were uh, the forgotten realms and mm-hmm. some of the and it's like it's, dragonlance yeah dragonlance i'm like this is trash you know i i just did not like the quality of what i was reading you know and i thought it was a lot of you know mustache twirling a lot of very <laughs> it, it was just it was lazy and um 
it whatever it piqued my curiosity however so i bought a first edition you know i i have you know first edition copy of dance and then everything else i got on uh, paperback but i don't buy, read anything i immediately buy Okay. Mm. I have a superstitious, like, I got to buy it. Then I got to be in the room with it's it. It's got to sit. It's got to earn It's got to sit. You know, it's like, yeah, you know, I got secret history of the Mongols ahead of you in line. So you just hang out. So I kind of like have to let it marinate with other books, you know, and see how it goes. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure, you know, Katrina mentioned it when she was on that she had read, you know, was introduced to it, the, the books. I had all the books, hadn't read them. And, uh, you know, my, it's like my wife at the time, like everyone that was, that was a reader that was in my circle had read them. And then I'm like, okay, yeah, this one, like I wasn't even necessarily prompted, you know, I've never been a big television watcher. So yeah, I just don't, it's like, oh, yeah, Sean Bean, hey, he probably dies in it. Like that was, you know, <laughs> what do you know? <laughs> and, uh, I'm reading it. I'm like, I bet this is the Sean Bean character. Um, and uh, I was, that's how I was exposed to it. I was, I'm one of the few people that even though I was, because of the enormity of the show, I was still came in through a book first avenue. Interesting. You know? Yeah, you're, you're, then, you're one of the only people I've heard that, that started in 2011 but didn't start with the show. Maybe the yeah, only a, person I've heard. I, 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 I tried to watch as little television as possible as a rule. Good thing. So, um you know, but uh, again, but, but well, the other side of it is that, you know, I'll, I'll get down on that television, uh, you know, crank if I have to, it's, there's a lot of people that I respect, you know, that have never watched the show that I look admirably, you know, or admiringly at like, Oh, well, you know, like, how'd you do it? You know, because the first three or four season I watched it, I was like, yeah, this is all right. You know what I mean? It was something that I enjoyed, but in, um, the show to me was a supplement to the reader. Like I didn't mm, think it was a sure. good show on its own, but it was like a, you know, decent visual guide, I guess. Mm-hmm. That's what uh, I liked right. it as yeah, until it, sure. it, until it became disaster porn. And then, <laughs> then I was about it, about it. And that was, it was a kind of, <laughs> kind of a di- different watching experience. Like, you know, it's like every it's week I knew there was going to be a train wreck on Sunday and, you know, and I'm like, ah, I'm here, I'm for, here it. for it. You know, it's going to be good. You know, what non-canonical thing can I get mad about online in a little bit? <laughs> and they never failed to deliver. That was the beauty of it. I was like, I, I was they like, you know, like I thought that I was going to run out of shit to get mad about. And it, no, it never happened. So, so, you know, thanks, you know, Dave, Dave, or whatever the fuck your names were, but. Dave and Dan, was it? Sure. Dan. Who knows? Yeah. Uh. Speaking of things to get mad at online, uh, that's your introduction to the series. What was your introduction to the fandom? How did you find that? What was your kind of gateway to that? Well, it was kind of, I don't know what possessed me to actually, I think it was kind of run parallel. I was, I had got, um, I was a little late on the cell phone, on the smartphone avenue either. You know what I mean? I didn't get an iPhone until 2012. I didn't really have the resource available, and so I f- at first looked at Tolkien fandoms, right? Like mm-hmm. getting in on, on some of those sites, Wondering.net, and I found it I, I found it wanting a little bit, and because it's not a whole lot of material has been added for decades and decades, even with the yeah. books that 
have come out subsequent to, you know, Professor Tolkien's death. It's not a whole lot of new shit there. This, so I got into like the Tower of the Hand, uh, PQ when he was on Tumblr, for fuck's sake. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Wars of Ice and Fire, uh, Radio Radio Westeros was definitely a a huge thing for me, you know, Mm -hmm. just listening to that cast and having it in that. Because what I liked most about that was the fact that it wasn't didn't really get out with out of their lane with a lot of theories or a lot of you know spitballing. It was like this is what we know because this is what just the facts, Pam. This is just what the facts. facts, you know. And it was formatted in such a way that I thought was very entertaining, um, you know. And then for Twitter, it was you guys definitely. You know, it's like I met a lot of people through that yearly interaction of a song of madness, where I would say some dumb shit. You know, I would quote, tweet the matchup, and then I'd have some very bad opinions, and I'd get four or five saps, uh, you know, basically a tweet that I'd get added to for saying some really awful things. I've Sucker born every minute, man. Sucker born every minute. <laughs> yeah, I know. So. All right. Maybe back to the series a little bit. Who is your favorite minor character in Song of Ice and Fire? All right, there's two. It's you know, the reader. Mm. Um, and, uh, Godric Burrell. Godric Burrell of the, uh, sisters. Yeah. Of the sisters. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, it's a, the guy has one, man. He has a canny, it's a weird one. He has a canny way of operating. He's been a very decisive position, uh, his family twice, knowing full well what it was. Mm-hmm. Right and going with it, you yeah. know what I mean. And the the thing that I enjoy about the series in general is that George's history, at least, often turns on the actions of one or two people. Right. Yeah, sometimes, yeah. And but that person does not have to maintain their importance. You know, it's the forgotten later. They're they're forgotten. They, later. They're not they're not punished or rewarded. They're just no. Th- this, this is what happened, and then and then we, this yeah. influences this moving forward. It's not always the high drama of you know of your Johns and your Arias and your you know uh, of you know of your Jamies. The decisions are made by people like the widow of the waterfront, of your Godric mm-hmm. Burrells, you know, of your Marwins. That they at least in by George's rules, they see everything happening on a meta level. You know what I mean? They, they, they're for as much as some people are led along and they don't have the agency because of X, Y, Z, they have like a super agency that it's like, they are, are these gatekeepers to, to, to greater things, you know? And, and I love that very much. And plus I love a terrible old man. So like you know, it's like I, I love the you know blackfish. To me, to me, just like the older and the more cranky, the better. You know, it's yeah. fantastic. You're right though. The, the widow of the waterfront, got it, bro. That they kind of hold immense power in the series for a very small moment in time, and then we move on from them. Yeah, it's interesting. But it, but it's yeah. like but everything bottlenecks there. It's like yeah, you know, it's the mirror of Galadriel multiple times. Where it's like, oh, here we have a decision to make, and this is gets made, yeah. and then holy shit, like this is moving. Harry, but a little. Yep. All right, similar similar question. What's your favorite minor family? 
Um, <laughs> I like the Ullers. The of hell. Ullers. Okay. Yeah, I, I was gonna go full. You know what? When I when we when I when I came on when I you know when you guys introduced me, I really wanted Rowdy Roddy's walk up music to play. Like the, John's gonna go full heel, and it's the Ullers, the sack on that family. It's like yeah, they more than just about any. It's like yeah, we killed them. Like you know, you can attack us and we're not what there. Are you gonna like, do? Yeah. What are you gonna do? Yeah. You know, come see me. Enjoy I'm, the commute. Yeah, I, I'm here. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not. I didn't pull my address down. You know, it's like still my place. You know, and I just I think that's fucking tremendous. The the shit that went on that they hid, like no one will admit yeah. to the fact of what what they probably did, you know, or didn't do. And that's the it, factually it, it's irrelevant. The fact that they have that reputation, and know, they don't like, necessarily try to deny it. Do you want to think that no, about us? No, that's fine. Go ahead. That's fine. You know, they're not <laughs> going to confirm or deny. It's not like they're playing it up. You know what I mean? It's not like they're like, uh, you know, it's not like they're trying to. Yeah, get they don't it. brag about it. No, it's they're not, not like trying what they to hang gain more on. out of it than they yeah. than they're already. But they're not like having their but, publicist put out a statement saying that they weren't involved or anything either. It's just no. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah. Like maybe I fucked your mom. I don't know. You know, it's like they they are. They are maybe the quintessential fuck around and find out family. Yeah, and I think, and I love that in this series, you know, because we have there's so much. There's no shortage of families where you can roll your eyes romantically at and think of you know these very like you know oh house because I like House Dane you know that's not necessarily yeah. a minor, but like I think the Danes are fascinating all through the years you know and, um. And here you have, for the last 300 years, this family that's like, yeah, you know. Just hanging out in their place. You know, it's like they're all just all finger guns. They're like, yeah, I got you, kiddo. You know, and so, and I, and I have no reason to believe that that's not going to continue on for them. You know, it's like, you're going to have the utter destruction of House Martell and everybody that they fucking bring down. And I promise you, in the New World Order, the Ullers are going to be there like, we're here. Yeah, still here. here. You know, yeah, fucking swing through. New capital in the desert. <laughs> yep. Uh, all right. I, I picked this question out for you, John, because I felt like I felt like you'd have a good uh, sarcastic answer for some POV that you hate. If there was one POV you could eliminate, who would it be? All right. I have this question. Whose POV is the worst? I have a I have a qualifier. Uh-huh. Will we know all the things that we know elsewhere from that? Sure. Okay. Yeah, we, we'll still get the information somehow. Brienne. I'm not gonna. <laughs> I was just thinking that. I was like, he's gonna say Brienne. He's totally. Gonna I'm say not. That. I'm not. I'm not gonna fuck around. That. That. Uh, have you seen a small girl with a clown, age three and ten? Like <laughs> you fucking dingbat, you dummy. You know what I mean? I cannot believe this broad going around saying this dumb shit that she's like. Even <laughs> Sam Tarley's dad's like, hold up. Right, like you just should you be doing this? I got some sexist shit to say. Fucking move along. You know what I mean? It's like he took part of his day off to like you know stop. You know, and the, the whole time I'm th- you know it's like she's palling around with the idiots that she pals around with. She got fucking um, Maribald. No, well the, Dick the, that's, that's beautiful. 
Like that's Odd. absolutely that's that's why I qualified that question that way because that's oh. some of the most beautiful shit. You know, I I think that the lore dump in there and and a lot of the lore dump isn't useful. You know, the the squishers and all the that squishers. shit that's not going to play that's not going to play a role. It's just it shows an example of in-universe lore and how, yes. like, and how you know whether it's superstition or just word of mouth, the oral history or oral tradition of any particular area, and how that thing, how those survive and perpetuate. And I think that's fascinating. You know, it's also some of the best description I think we get in the book. Like, I can just see Cracklaw Point the way it's the way George describes it with, you know, the fog and mist and the pines everywhere, and you know, some of them are dead, and there's bogs and you know, craggy mountains and caves. Like I, I can see that in my head so clearly. It's some some of the some of his best descriptive writing. Yeah, for, for a guy who's not particularly. But it strong, doesn't mean anything. Yeah. No, I'm never going back there. No, you're never going like, back. Do there. we do we need to know this? No, but no, it's beautiful. No, but it's it, but it's beautiful. You know what I mean? And for a guy that doesn't spend a lot of time with the geography of shit, you know, he generally doesn't. He, you get an overall idea, but. For the most part, you have this homogenous sense of just about everything else in Westeros. But there's, you know, Stormlands, you know, you, you do get your pockets. And this is one of those pockets that you... He kind of picks his spots. He, he yeah. does. He does. And then, yeah. you know, and the rest of it is like Renaissance Fair. But here, you know, it's to me, it's very... Uh, it, I love what is in, contained in her chapters. She just uh, gets on my tit. I just like every time... <laughs> With everything, it's like, oh my god, Jamie talking to her, talking. When this her. episode releases, you're gonna lose a few followers. I gotta. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, well, it's you know, Brienne won a Song of Madness last year. Yeah, I heard. Um, <laughs> you know what? It's I, fine. You I've don't have to have never, opinions. I've fine. never seen Home Alone. I could say that, and I'll tell you why. Because everybody saw fucking Home Alone. You know, and it was like, and I'm that asshole. It's like, it's like, oh, oh yeah. yeah, everybody goes out and like. You know, it's like if everybody likes it, then then there's something wrong with it. You know, that's how I, mean? I was with Shawshank. If, if anybody asks me like to join something or my opinion, that person is damaged or broken somehow. So <laughs> I look at it. I look at it that way, where it's like Brienne, just like leave me every because all the lore, everything that you learn in that, she you can promise you, she's not learning any of that. Like she's not going to be an old lady. Like, oh yeah, it's too, like I remember. I think you no, are too she doesn't remember her. any of that shit. You know what I mean? She's, she's not the sharpest tool in the shop. No, sure. she's, she's, she's not. She's, or, she's that's, not. That's PO Box six nine, Salt Lake City, Utah. <laughs> and if and if well, it, it fair is fair. If you're gonna if you're we're gonna shit on Vic for being stupid, and we do, and he has it coming, then we can probably poop on other dumb characters. Or you're being a hypocrite about it, like you know what I mean. There's a if this is your standard to measure, like what the quality is in someone or a certain quality, then a I just think you're being harder on her than you are even on Victorian, and I don't think we have evidence that she can't remember things she learns. I don't think she's got like I don't think there's the quickest processor. <laughs> I don't th I don't think she's got the quickest processor John's around. She's not learning but... it in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying she's incapable. I this is. No, this it, it, no, this is kind of why I came on, and it, it's and it's like <laughs> I guess is really you came on because we apparently are damaged and want your opinions on things. Yeah, I know. I'm like, oh, these guys. You can tell that's oh, is it the 10 year anniversary of the book coming out? Because <laughs> we're 10 years away from the next one coming out. Get, get this is like this the safe pocket no, for to stop. have John like comment on shit. You know, 
Like, what's his wrong opinion on on any of this? And so, hers. I but it, it, she's a fantastic, fantastic character. I she's a fantastic. You know, in her the three dimensional aspect, she's wondrous in her own way and it's sad and it's tragic and i i hope nothing for the best of her in what she wants but i think we all know that that's not gonna happen for her if it doesn't seem like if if dunk dies in a fire then this chick isn't like dying in her bed in old age that's not like that's not what what's her fate is lined up for her She's not going to have a bunch of brats and a good-looking husband and fucking and cable and fucking, you know, the rent's paid. It's like, that's not what she's, those aren't, that's not what she's got in store. It's going to be like, well, that was a dumb move. And then like, you know, she's going to get stabbed. She could very well be dead as soon as she meets Stoneheart. You know what I mean? Like the, the, the end of Brienne's ride could be very early in the next book. At that and and I'm there I don't think for that's it. happening. I don't <laughs> think that's happening. I think she's got a story to tell for sure going forward, but I guess we'll find out. Mm. Or we won't. Brienne's Ending. more one of those things if it's more of what she represents. Yeah. Then, yeah. So, we'll see. All right. Well, I don't think the answer to this question is going to be Brienne, but tell me which book character arc you like the best. <laughs> for a one book, um, for a one book arc, um, I'm going to say, and, I, and I've, I've changed this a few times, um, but I think Tyrion's Clash of Kings. Yeah, where, I love that arc too. Where you see Ned and how bad he was at his job, you know, and, you know, pour one out for a real one, but he sucked at being the hand, right? And part of the, part of what I liked about what part of what I liked about the series is the fact that there's, he can tell the same, he tells the same story from multiple POVs. And right. so how Ned's going to be captured in history, regardless of how um, noble or ignoble he was, he's still going to be seen through a certain light. Right. Mm-hmm. And Tyrion, no matter him leaving, he's going to be seen through, not a similar light, but he'll have the same applicators, you know, the same things yep. that, that apply that. But it just, it feels at the time of, re- you know, at least the first time through reading it, where it was like masterstroke to masterstroke. Like it was a guy who felt very comfortable with his with his level of knowledge of what the playing field was like, what the rules were, what rules that he could make up, you know, as he went. You know, and I think it was a very interesting contrast from a very reactive Ned to a proactive Tyrion, you know, and because you hear about this position of the hand, there's all this lore that goes into it, but you don't see, you know, it starts off with the last hand dying. You never see John Aaron in action, you know, and then you see Ned like to to mix, mixed results. And then Tyrion comes like, it's, it's a, it's a wonder. And then culminating in Blackwater. And then from, from there, his life turns to shit, you know, but it's to be, it's a, from, you know, A to B, it's a fascinating arc from, you know, I think it's an exhilarating ride and there's a lot of, yeah, very much a contrast from Ned too. You're right. I mean, you see Ned in in book one behaving in the way he behaves his hand. And I would, I would 
I would quibble a little bit that he wasn't good at it so much as he couldn't handle the political component of it. But he was pretty good, I think, at, at the things he needed need to be good at. He gave good advice. But um, but he definitely operated differently than Tyrion did. Yeah. Uh, and, and you definitely see that in book two with Tyrion's arc. Tyrion, somebody who's not going to get the you know the plaudits for his nobility and uh, and those things, uh, but but effective in his way. Yeah, yeah. Even though he wasn't recognized, Ned him. just refused to play the political game. He refused to play the Game of Thrones. And yeah, you're right. He might have been able to. Don't know. Yeah, yeah. And, and and I think that I mean he he had a shot and pretty much chose yep. not to. Yeah, exactly. Right. He yep. chose he chose to give Cersei an out instead of playing the game and right and exactly. You know, but I think and that's that, what I love about him, actually. That's a <laughs> that's, that's a choice people. or an inability. It could be read either way, I suppose. Well, and I, I think that if he had played it more like how a Stark would have traditionally, I think that he wouldn't have ran afoul of that. Like, you know, you had, yeah. um, you know, the Hour of the Cregan. Wolf where... Yeah, I was going to say, Cregan Stark came in, cleaned house. He comes in, and comes in, points yeah. fingers, you know, it's like you... Walk <laughs> back to Westeros, no problem. And then, yeah. Or walk back to Winterfell. Yep. Exactly. Yep. You know, no died in his bed an old man. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? That like that could have totally could have done it that way. You know, it's like, yeah, bud, you know, like you and I have a history together. I'm gonna set this right. This guy's gonna be the next one. I'm not and here. And the history with Aaron too, and right? I, I think, wanted to figure out what happened to Aaron. I think George did that purposefully, throwing in the Cregan story, just to contrast him with Ned Stark. Like, this yeah, makes sense. Yep. Yeah. Should we get to section three? Yes. Oh, one more. What I got, I got because you, the, the question, the most, yes. what I'm looking forward to in wins, mm, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Sell me, and it, oh. and it's because uh, I know like you know Nuremberg, you know Barristan, and and some of the criticism that's been levied as far as some of the choices that he's made with morality and like what his role was as Kingsguard. But but I also look at in in a similar vein with Vic, I look at Barristan as somebody who was really good at what he did. You know, the guy was singular in his accomplishments in a, in a martial sense, you know, slaying the last pretender, rescuing Ares, you know, going in as Arston and doing what he did there. Like the guy is a marvel, right? It's, Him against Vic would be interesting. And, and I, wonder if, I wonder if we'll get that. It's it's very. To me, I know that it's not going to end well, but to me, it's also the end of the old way in a positive way. Like here mm-hmm. was a guy that brought that represented so much of you know essentially he would have fit in perfectly with you know the the Great Council of you know one hundred and one or you know the, some of his his predecessors, and so like to me. I, I don't think there's just going to be a, a room for a sell me in the future. You know, if, if what happens, what, what we're kind of, you know, it kind of, you know, it's a broad range of things that could potentially happen, but I don't think that necessarily there's going to be room for, or there's not going to, you know, he's going to be the last of a, of his kind, you know? And, um, I think that this is a last chance to watch that operate, whether or not he learns what he's supposed to learn, you know, while experiencing it, we will as, as the reader, you know, and we're going to see, this will be all, uh, for a lot of us, it'll be our last look at Essos and a lot of the things that go on there, it'd be potentially, you know, this last, if he, if he makes it to Danny reuniting with him, I think there's a lot there that I think that 
the, some certain threads end, and I, I it's kind of melancholy. It's a little bittersweet, but at the same time, I think that he's going to have his last, you know, his Agincourt moment. He's going to have, you know, we the chapters that we've seen. He's going to have that thing where it's like, you know, here's this old man at the end of it, and we're going to see his one la- his last great thing, you know. Plus, I I figured everyone else is you know I'm like hey oh yeah I'm looking forward towards John no I'm not looking forward towards Barristan John. Selmy. And it's not even necessary it's not even necessarily you know Selmy but I think Selmy is an interesting POV that I think that I, you shouldn't sleep on you know kind of like Vic he's kind of got a, a bit of a narrower kind of mindset yep. viewpoint he sees the world a certain way um, yeah I, I can see that. And I like what uh, you say about right. how he fits or how he's representative of 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 culture in a way of of kind of that older way of that older guard. Days gone by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And high towers, Danes, and like that old school, like being in awe of, of the, like the the idea of a knight. You know, something that we keep going back to. And Selmy is the living representation of at least one aspect of that. It also shows some of the problems with that. But at the same time, it's like there's no better example, you know, than than Barry. And he's clinging to it too, training those kids, trying to trying to teach, right, and keep that kind of old school feel alive. But we'll see how that goes. Yep. All right, good answer, uh, Matt. Let's start it on part three. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. I swore to give you Westeros, your own promises. This is really just a morsel, but a morsel he needs to distribute with cunning. Sir Harris Harlaw, Andric the Unsmiling, Marin Volmark, and Newt the Barber, Victarion's best bud, are all promoted to Lord in order to rule one of the Shield Islands each. Mm, yeah, you're in maybe a crazy a-hole, but he knows what he's doing here. Rather than rewarding those loyal to himself, he's awarding the allies of his rivals in order to steal their loyalty. Even Vic sees this for what it is and tells Newt the Barber to refuse him. Yeah, but who would refuse a lordship in a whole island? Euron has, in one fell swoop, removed all the threats to his leadership of the Ironborn with poison gifts meant to empower him rather than reward others. Yeah, and as Victarion stews on his brother's success and dreams of the day he can supplant this same brother, Euron launches into his plan. They need to restock their ships with as much food and water as possible because they are heading east to get dragons. But Roger Harlaw, the reader, has a bone to pick. He wants to know when they're going to return. Between autumn storms, pirates, the need for differing restocking stops, differing rates of travel, you know, he thinks this plan is rife with problems for a huge fleet to sail this way. This is not a journey he thinks the whole of the Ironborn can make. Euron was all swagger, though, insisting that he had sailed the smoking seas of Valeria on his ship, the Silence. Surely they can do this. But Harlaw's questions were not really answered, and Victarion, sensing a lack of support in the, uh, for Euron in the hall, stands and demands answers for the Ironborn. And from there, you know, it's actually a bit of a mess for Euron. Despite his insistence, his men have many hang-ups. They are uncomfortable relying on the slave trade. They think Marine is too far to take the fleet. High Garden, Old Tower, these targets are right there. Let's just stay here and plunder. Euron actually flees the hall in, in frustration. 
The drinking and feasting continue in his absence, but as the night drifts toward morning, Victorian is summoned to his brother's new quarters. His brother is adorned in a cloak and an eye patch, standing at the window when Vic enters. When I was a boy, I dreamt that I could fly. When I woke, I couldn't. Or so the maester said. But what if he lied? He continues on that unless you leap, you don't know that you can fly. Euron wants the Ironborn to leap. Victarion just wants an end to the silly metaphors and for his brother to cover his obscene nakedness. He stresses that the Ironborn just want what they can see, what they can taste. The grapes of the arbor are close and they make wine. What do dragons make? Woe, is the immediate reply. Euron is obsessed with bringing the dragons back. But as it turns out, he actually agrees with the reader's comments. The entire fleet of Ironborn could not make the journey together. Instead, he wished to send Victarion and his Iron Fleet to snatch his Dragon Queen and bring her back to him. Now Vic can't help but be appalled and filled with rage. Euron has slept with his wife, resulting in her murder at Victarion's own hands. Now his brother wishes to send him on a dangerous journey back to bring him back a wife? Euron commands it now of his brother, adding that if he does, he can have the sea stone chair and rule the Iron Islands when Euron himself sits the Iron Throne. He presses him to take the leap. Unless he does, Victarion will never know if he can truly fly. Or maybe he was too afraid of sailing that far with the fleet. Victorian's hand was bloody from clenching. I'll go to Slaver's Bay, aye. I'll find this dragon woman, and I'll bring her back, he says. Left unsaid is that Victorian plans to keep this dragon bride for himself. Mm. Uh. Mm. Now, there's a lot of shit there, right? And so, first... In a general sense, Vic, or I'm sorry, Euron has to have some sort of caper in in mind that guarantees that one way or the other, Danny's coming back, right? And it has to be smarter than something his dumb shit brother can't screw up. Like, I think that's a big... It's going to be interesting how that that Slaver's Bay battle plays out, and then the interaction from there. If Vic ends up dying, like what will the who who takes that next step? Who fills that void? If he manages to live, I personally think he's going to survive that encounter, and his end will be later. But I don't know outside of Vic who is in a position to treat with Danny or. Because she's not even there to put them in a position to make something happen there. And it's not like you can just have uh, the Unsullied or, or whoever. Man, they they just can't replace the Ironborn to man these boats. Like, that's not their stock and trade. They're going to need the Greyjoys for a ride. Like, this is their Uber. And they're going to have to make that happen. And to me, that's like... That's... There's a lot there that that we don't know, and I think it's it's fascinating. But it's like, man, like that's a big ask, <laughs> to, you know. And what's Vic's plan? Like, uh, honestly, what does he have in mind? Like, he's just gonna, ha ha, you you marry me now? Like, 
what kind of Errol Flynn bullshit does that guy have going through his little pea brain that he's gonna like pull pussy with, with this with a horn and it just I don't see it like I you know it's it's similar to the uh, pate discussion from last episode right Skad just I'm just going to go get this girl I'm just I'm just gonna go do it yeah yeah and she's gonna come because yeah because why wouldn't she because mm-hmm. I want it. Yeah. But I want I, it. I, 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 I think. Want it. Yeah, but I want it. Give it to me. Give it to me. Give it to me. It's parts and rec. I mean, that works for guys like me. But I mean, what? It's like Vic, man. Uh, you know, I don't understand. I mean, so. <laughs> Men so of you're a on. Charisma. Yeah, yeah. You know, guy's like a 10, maybe an 11. You're on. To me, got a couple things going through his head. There, There's this theory that you brought up Matt that is interesting about you know skin changing the the dusky woman and maybe him being able to kind of exercise some influence over the situation maybe that's that's interesting um but beyond that we just saw what he did with shield islands he gave them to he gave poisoned gifts to these people knowing he was going to abandon them and they'd be killed and remove remove uh you know adversaries to his to his rule he could be just doing the same thing to Vic. It's a, it, it's a win either way, kind of, kind of like, uh, kind of, kind of like Jamie tells Cersei to send Mace down to get Storm's End. Mace either wins and gets Storm's End, or dies trying. It's two good results. Victorian either dies trying to get Danny, or he actually somehow fucking succeeds and gets Danny and brings her back. It's, it's a win-win either way. Victorian's either out of the way and not you know, in his way and, you know, seizing, you know, a threat to power or whatever. Hmm. Or he actually succeeds and brings back this lovely woman who would be a, a great partner to him. So it's kind of win-win for him. The other thing he might be thinking is, you know, he knows maybe what that dragon horn is capable of. And if he trusts that his brother can just blow a damn horn or get someone else to do it, then he actually thinks he will be able to bind the dragons and be successful. And if he can do that, that's a huge feather in the cap and something that would get Danny's attention right. more than Quentin, Quentin Mud Martell would, right? I, I think I side more with that, with your second point there. Just because, I mean, that's that's the best ships in his fleet that he's just throwing away if it's the first thing, right? Yeah, Vic dies, but he also loses, you know, the best ships in the fleet that he could actually really use. So I gotta think he's got some sort of confidence that Victarion can somehow pull it off, um, but the horn has to be part of it. Otherwise, like, why would you send Victarion to? As John pointed out, who's your emissary? Who's gonna actually treat with Danny or yeah. her people and actually convince them to come? You know, if he has Godzilla up his sleeve, though, he doesn't need the ships. But we don't know that either. Sure. Well, but he needs the dragon. That, not if he's got Godzilla. Up his well, team. that's that's the rub. I mean, it's not like this isn't a, just a diversion because he could kill Vic here. Like I think that there's there'd be consequences to. I that. think there's something very fundamental. Well, not just like out and out murder him. You know, I think that he could put him in a, an untenable situation on the mm. on the in the. You know, on the back. I'm arguing that's exactly what he's done. Make him one right. of the lords of one of the islands. No, and that I would think, be the I perfect abs- way to suppress him. I, th- I think you're absolutely right. I just think that there is, like, he needs something. 
Euron does need something out of that transaction. It can't just come up like, oh, well, it, it didn't work out, like, but I have this. Like, there has, the, I think it's a two-part thing that he has big picture in mind, you know what I mean? And I guess very well, like, it could not work out for him, but I don't, I see it more than just a throw of the dice. Like, I think that his mm. agreeing with the reader was uh, pre-planned. Like, I think that that was, he mm. knew that the reader was going to have those objections and that he seems like he's uh, siding with reason by coming off a position that he all, he agrees with just to, just to feel like he's giving them something. He plays his yeah. audience like a fiddle. You know, this and, is this is just the difference between like the way I see Euron and the way everyone else seems to see him. I think he's crazy, doesn't have any idea what he's doing, and is totally playing it by ear every minute of I his disagree life. Disagree with that. N- yeah, see, no I, idea. What I he's think doing. he's has a very specific plan. I think he's a clown in how he does it, and I don't think it's going to work out well for him. But I think that it's I think it, it's a lot more. Um, I think that there's more planning involved with what he has than people that have the reputation of planners. Then I, th- I, th- I think that the Martells, like they don't hold a candle to what like he conception. It's like, well, I'll just send my son and like hope for the best. No, I think there's a like I think that there's a a big game plan. I would hope, you know, as far as I hope we find out this this late stage villain that you add. But what I what I find most remarkable is is the the defiance of of Roderick Har- Harlot in that scenario that mm-hmm. that it's I think it's a very conspicuous place to raise on the the eve or the the, the night of victory that you raise your objections or your misgivings on what's going on in, in front, front of a of hall everybody. that that mm-hmm. have already that have been awarded a boon for doing this and expect to walk out of there alive. Like that's fucking that that's balls of steel. Now it could very well be that he's dead because we don't see him in the forsaken. Right. Mm-hmm. He's not name dropped in there with, with he's damn not. hairs. He's yeah, not, he's, he's not lashed he's, to the bow of the ship. With and and I think that he has, I'm hoping, I'm hoping in the same way that I hope for Davos, that there's a, in a new world order, Roderick's like the whole his whole bag is to supplant what's going to get lost in Old Town. That here you have a, a repository mm-hmm. of information in the most unlikely of places, in an area that nobody's looking to conquer. It's not like you know the fucking the Manderleys are like yeah yeah now's our move we're gonna go into the great you know go into um, the Iron Islands. Nobody's doing that. You know what I mean, and and maybe he plays a part in what's to come. That's my hope. You know, it's because I, otherwise I don't see any other reason for the existence of his character. You know, other than having the novelty of a, you know, hey fellow pirates, I I like <laughs> I like Chaucer. You know what I mean? Hello, it's, fellow teenagers. It's you know, it, I'm it's, cool. If you take away any kind of result, he's ridiculous. You know what I mean? It's like why why would you have him there? You know, I think that there's 
I think that, that George is demonstrating something. I think that he's got some good shit planned between whatever happens with Sam, whatever remains of the High Towers, whatever remains of the Danes. Like, there's going to be some shit that happens there that I think that he's going to figure prominently in the same way that Marwin's going to figure into people's plans. And so some of these characters, again, the beauty of that series is you might play no kind of role for the longest time. And then you're like the linchpin at, at certain points. And I have a feeling that <laughs> you're the he's gonna be, He's going to be, yeah, he, there's going to be, he's a, in essence, that same kind of character. Like there's going to be a reason you're not going to put him on a boat to like sail him somewhere to kill him. You can do that with Newt the Barber. That guy's fucking, you know, that guy's nothing. That guy's a cipher, you know, but you were you were introduced to Roderick. You made his whole family, his relationship to Asha. There's a lot more there that you see people that, you know, that have like taken the faith of the seven, they get killed. Like the other people that would be in his situation that don't handle it perfectly, they don't make out. And yet here he is Jesus calling out man. Euron. You know, it's... The, I can you know, see that. That passage is, you know, it's, you know, when... The crow's eye says that he had been there and returned. Have you, the reader asked so softly. That's not Vic making that observation. That's George making that observation there. Like, that's a very, to me, it's a very subtle, I, I, I don't think that, I don't think that Vic would have picked up on that feeling in the moment. He would have seen perhaps a disobedient lord it, or someone that's not not bowing to the position he should and i and it's like oh man like to me that's that's why i picked that chapter is that dynamic where it's like this could go in a, in a very different direction than we're all kind of you know led to believe that have you is one of the one of the main reasons and i realize it's a two-word piece of text but it's one of the main reasons i think everything about Huron is bullshit mm-hmm I think it's all bullshit. I don't think he's done any of the things he says. I don't think he's ever had a dragon's egg. I don't think he knows how to do any of this shit that he's talking about. He found a horn, okay? But like I just I just don't believe it. I don't I don't buy him for a second. I really don't. No, and I, you're, he's, you're not he's like wrong, a he's yeah. like a charismatic yeah, the, a-hole. The stuff that he's claiming like, to have done. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think that you're absolutely right. But like so then why do we why do we believe that he can do all these other things? I don't necessarily think that he can yes capability I, I think that there's a, there's a capability there that we haven't been presented right otherwise it's a really bad fucking villain to introduce in the fucking this late in the game you know what i mean i think that there's there's yeah. something there and maybe it's wish casting we're like oh here's this fucking here's this you know elaborate spongebob pirate that fucking comes in you know, and does the zany shit. Like, there's got to be, it's, we're couching maybe that the hope that there's more to it. And maybe you're absolutely right, Scott. Like, I mean, we, we would have said the same thing about Quentin Martell until he died doing nothing. Right. I mean, he played a thematic role and he, sure. his story was beautifully told. Yeah. But like, did he do anything to impact the story really? Well, and then... He, he was, yeah. he, he was like a, he, he was a red herring basically, you know? Yeah. In, uh, in a story that doesn't lack for them. And that's really, I guess I'm, I'm hoping that even, even for Vic, I, at the end of the day, I'm hoping that there's more to it because, okay. So with every other character, you you're set the table where you see a set of 
actions or a set of circumstances, you're led to believe something's going to happen, something different happens, and then you look back at the text and you're like, all right, oh, yeah, it, look at that. it was there, right? Yeah. Very rarely is it telegraphed like, look at this dumb shit and the dumb shit that he does. And like, do do you know, it's like, yeah, he's probably going to die this way. And then did it. And then for vegetarian, you mean? Yeah. And he, you know what I mean? And it's like, Oh, that worked out exactly like I thought that doesn't, if, if that's what happens, then I think that he's really not doing that character. Just like that to me, that's, mm. that's, I think it's where you demonstrate agency and all this other shit in different characters. You're, regardless of the fact that he's loathsome he's doing something you've preordained this is like this would be a little more than a thumb on the scale to make this happen and then mm. like all for the case of like making fun of somebody that's dumb you know what i mean like i, I don't see that i i don't want to believe that that's what what that's about like i, I want to think that there's going to be some wrinkle on on either his end or some wrinkle on on euron's end that that brings about something unforeseen and not exactly like, well, dumbass does dumb shit. Dumbass gets, you know, wins dumbass prizes, you know, cause that's kind of where it looks like we're headed. It's definitely going to be flipped on his ear because I guarantee you there's no way he's returning with Danny on a boat to Europe. There, he's not, George is not going to co-opt Danny's story to give Euron a bride. Right. Danny's the hero or one of the heroes of this story or, pseudo hero villain may be turned right right but but she's like got the most complex arc or one of them in in the book i don't think he's going to just have her board a ship and become euron's wife so victorian's journey is definitely going to be different than what's been predicted right yeah because they have to get to karth to pick up danny when danny sacks karth because that's my that's my tinfoil that's what's gonna happen that's my tinfoil because she's got to go east to go west i think that in order to it's it's not even that it's in order to get buy-in like this is just a mm. people thing it's uh, in order to get somebody that transcends your normal like we conquered a bunch of people right i think that yeah. if she turns over the jewel like that 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 thing that's has stood forever against it's a statement win it is it really is it's a statement yeah. win like you build on that you know what i mean yeah. You know, Fister yeah. goes in on your next game, but this one you get the W, and I think it's a I think it's a big W, and I think that plays a part of it. You know what I mean? I I, I think that that's like you said, like the way it plays out. It's not like he pulls up with his boat, yeah, I put up my Dukes, and then she comes back and like, oh, aren't you handsome? Like you you're my ride back to yeah. Westeros, and they then then they take a, a pleasure cruise across. You know, <laughs> no, no, like it's not going to play out like that, but it's got to be. There's going to be a, a dynamic there that that we're not haven't been we haven't seen yet. You know, I think yeah, that's pretty. I agree. Well, Matt, what else you got for this section? Um. Well, I think maybe we just get right into the main event. You're on. You're on Green Seer. Is that a thing? Mm. Well, I. I, maybe like like you said that the whole thing with him is bullshit. Like his, I said that. Yeah, Matt didn't. Right. I'm sorry. I was I was gesturing at my monitor. You should, clearly those <laughs> that listening at home should know that. Um, 
it's the guy's full of shit, right? So, um, how much of you know that is reflected in through either you know his relationship with Blood Raven, if there is one, if there is a parallel, if if Blood Raven, Blood Raven has a uh, a co-equal that works for you know. Uh, Cobra Commander or whatever. You know what I mean? Somebody that's on the bad side of it. That had... Bad side bad side Blood Raven? Yeah. You know, I mean, and I guess you could say that's the same person. Maybe he is the bad side Blood Raven. He could very well be, but we didn't really get to see what Blood Raven, the extent of Blood Raven's actual activities. You know what I mean? A lot mm-hmm. of that's, a lot of that's, right, well, definitely with him. But even with, you know, it's like, okay, he goes to the wall, he does this, he disappears. You know what I mean? There's not a whole lot of canonical evidence of what Blood Raven can actually do. Otherwise, it's, we know that, hey, he's still alive and he has this relationship with Bran, you know. But that's really all that we, like, know for sure. You know, it's like, he could be very bad at his job. He could have something that he's working against. George certainly isn't above introducing characters at later stages you know what i mean it's like we got john con we didn't hear shit about this guy you know uh you know prior to that other than you know little dribs and drabs and all of a sudden here's a character that's getting that it wouldn't surprise me at all if that's what we get further down the road is you know because there's no reason history doesn't stop you know the time doesn't stop there's people are going to be introduced into this this struggle all along people are going to come out of it and so you know there's but what is it that he actually learned? What is it that he's actually done? And we, through Brand's chapters or you know whatever's coming up, that hasn't been revealed to us, or only we can only infer through other experiences, you know, through through the Stark children. Yeah, that's true. It's kind of like we see what Brand's able to start doing through his chapters and dance, and yep. so we just kind yep. of assume that. Well, if Blood Raven's been doing this for years, then he must really be able to go places, you know. But we actually, you're right. We don't know for we sure. We don't know. It's kind of the same maybe thing. Maybe the with brand is Euron. Is that? Uh, I mean, he could be full of crap, or he could not, and we just don't know yet. If he, if he isn't, so I, I'm, I, I kind of like this kind of path, Ron, of of Blood Raven versus Bran versus Euron, like just because maybe they all have these powers and I don't necessarily believe Euron does, but let's, let's say he does. They're not necessarily on the same spectrum of power. Like I get the feeling very much that Bran is nearly infinitely, is a big word, a lot more powerful than Blood Raven. Right. Yeah. Like a lot more, uh, with a lot more potential at least. Maybe he's not more powerful now, but I get that sense. If Euron is as powerful as Bran is, what's he been doing this whole time? Like, we know he disappeared, right? Like, he could have been, you know, if all the theories about Bran tapping to the Weirwood net and being able to see everything, and, like, I th- I would think Euron would be in yeah. a much more advantageous position if he'd been doing this for years. Yeah, why would he need so a faceless man to, to kill Balin? He could have, if he could warg into someone, like, why couldn't he do that to Balin, where it's like he pops in, jump, fucker, and he jumps, and then, he, you know what I mean? Like, there's... <laughs> Which the uh, faceless man of, I mean, thing is a is a theory. So I mean, it very well could have been, as yeah. you said. Yeah, it could very well have been something that sure. if he has that level of control. I mean, honestly, you know, it's like if as a little as a boy you can control a Hador or a Hodor, 
um, right. as as somebody that's like finessed these this skill, like what can you do, you know, with someone that's, I don't know, not Hodor, you know, like is yep. that, you know, again, a different set of uh, skill sets. It's like it's this. It it, it, it we don't have a, a a guiding, you know, light for, you know, if you're a green seer or if you're this, this is your this is what your stat sheet looks like. You know, so there's also some sense maybe that like they're more powerful beyond the wall. Um, maybe it helped know, I, in his theoretical journeys to Valyria, being yeah, able to maybe. get places where other people hadn't. Or, or maybe when he says I've been to Valyria, that's what he means. He skin changed somebody in Valyria and took them, and that's how he went there. Yeah. Or he never actually physically went there. He just kind of like. Well, it, it doesn't have to be this timeline either. If that's yeah. if the if that's the rules that Bran doesn't have to play, it just looked like yeah, I could have been, been there. Valeria. It was three hundred and fifty years ago. Yeah. You I know, it could have been before the Doom. It doesn't. It doesn't have to yeah. like. You don't have to tie him to. You know this. Yeah. No, you're right. George but, just gives us so many seemingly obvious clues and connections with this one. I mean, just that line: "When I was a boy, I dreamt that I could fly." And then what follows, so did I. What, what follows up with that, when I woke, I couldn't, or so the maester said. That's exactly the same thing that maester, the maester Lewin, Lewin said, said to, Bran. to Bran, you know? Yeah. The crow's eye, calling him crow's eye, the three-eyed crow. His yeah. banner being a red-eyed banner. Like, yeah. it just, there's yeah. just so yeah, many what things if... that... What if he's an emanation of the same guy? Like that's the that's the alternate path, Bran. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, exactly. and, and not just not just necessarily a falling out of their relationship with Blood Raven, but right. of some sort of timeline or manifestation of like this is this is what happened to me, and this, this is what I became. Happened. Yeah, you know, and cautionary tale. Yep, you know, it's like you see the DeLorean pull up, and there's the Iranian terrorists or whatever, and you know, it's like <laughs> you got to get to the. I, I can't wait for that. You know, <laughs> that's really what I looked. 88 miles an hour and Bran gets... So... Boom. What's crazy is it just so, kind of sets him up to be... I know we hate the idea of him being like this... Well, some people hate the idea of him being like this late stage villain like we've talked about. But it's really setting him up to potentially be kind of that foil for both fire and ice, right? The fire with the dragon binding and all of that. And then potentially the ice with his ability, potentially as a skin changer, as a green seer. And it makes him a really interesting potential villain. And obviously we don't know everything that's going to happen with him. But uh, it's almost like, man, this guy has, if, if all these things are true and come to pass, there's some real potential with him to cause some real dissonance on both sides of that fire mm. and ice. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that George obviously loves his history, and I think that there's, I, I for whatever reason, I'm, I'm always reminded of the fact that when the October Revolution happened in Russia, that Lenin was in Switzerland at the time. Right, the the guy who ended up coming out on top wasn't on the scene, right, and and I I see there's. We're conditioned as readers to expect 
that what we have come before us, like this is what we've been building towards. And, and what I see now is what I'm going to get. This is going to be, you know, oh, cool. Kerensky's going to run Russia and yada, yada. And it's like, and, and that's not what happens. Right. And so um, I, I kind of see that same thing. Hopefully. So you think it's, you think it's egg on six then it's going to win the thing. Yeah, obviously. I mean, that's clearly, <laughs> no, I was so, I, you guys, it, we had one show watcher, one not, right? I watched the first three seasons or something. Yeah, Matt, where are you? Them. Yeah, I watched them okay. like once each. I, I've seen the whole series through once. Yeah. Uh, I had a, I'm a big fan of Dune series. This, it was uh, the, how Brain was resolved for those out there that are, have stayed this long through the podcast. It's. He's Leto the second. He has, there's this, and I know other people have the theory explained much more clearly, but I think that the breaking of the wheel, that what's to come is going to come through Bran. And I mm-hmm. think that what happens, what you see a, a failed attempt of, it's going to be Euron's really weak stab at that. Right. Sure. Um, and I think that, I think it's if only to involve something that happens in the South. Because otherwise, it just becomes a storm front that goes so far, and it's like, well, it's going to be shitty until you get to, like, uh, Cincinnati. And then, you know, far farther down, it's like, well, yeah, it's, we're still wearing flip-flops, and, the you know, so we still have oranges, so it's not that bad. I mean, would you really care if you were in Sunspear that there was uh, ice zombies a thousand miles north of you? I mean, I wouldn't give a shit. Like, it's like, the sun's hot. Well, I see. You know, so you're uh, saying you're yeah, connects I, I, the seven kingdoms and brings them into the conflict. I like that. I think that that's really, if, if anything, yeah. that's going to be his function, is it's going to be bringing other people to bear some of the price of what's to come, even right. if that, to, to, to because, because otherwise it's basically you're just wiping out Starks and fucking, you know, right. and Riverlands people. You know what I mean? It's a way to draw resources to, to build that calamitous event, you know, and, like and, there has to be something that ties the political components that we've been dealing with in these five books to to what's happening at the wall, right? We get this very first chapter, at, at you know, beyond the wall with these magical ice creatures that certainly spell humanity's doom if they can get past the wall. And then we get, you know, five books mostly based in King's Landing politics. Yeah. And there's got to be something that ties that all together. And whether that's Euron or something else, I don't know. But I do see Euron. Got to be something being a stepping stone. I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see him meet his demise in Winds of Winter, having served his purpose, to then move on to the final act with our major players coming back to the forefront. And yeah, he's there's, a- there's, Aegon versus Euron, the red herring. That's gonna be sweet. Danny's dead. John's dead. And it's just you're on Aegon. <laughs> well, what's spring. what's gonna what's gonna happen in in wins is there's, there's gonna be like an Aegon's Aegon. There's gonna be like a double secret kid or whatever. It's like you know. Well, please don't do that. You know, you know uh, like, who was it that that smuggled Danny out? Was it Viserys? Uh, Viserys was there. He was no, like no. Who, what was this? The family? What lord was? The... Oh, uh, it was uh, it was a knight. Yeah, it was uh, one of the Kingsguard. Went, went, wasn't it? No, Oswald went. No, went. No. Oh no, went, went died at the tower. Trident. 
or the tower. The it was like William Sari or something. He ended up. Di- oh yeah, Sari. Yeah, 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 he ended up dying, of dissipated, mm-hmm. drunk, or whatever ended up happening. Like, um, I can't remember what his name was. Though. Someone's yelling at it, it at us what right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Someone they're like you dumbasses. Everyone. I thought you read this. Um, it's. There's, there's going to be some sort of, like, we, we've seen, I think, what, again, I, I just lectured against that, but we've seen who we need to see for how this ultimate thing plays out. You know what I mean? He, there'll be your John Cons and there'll be your late editions. And even though I, I like that, the idea that there's going to be um, things to come all the same, I think that essentially in the first three or four chapters, we have it laid out exactly what really matters in this series and every fr- everything from there has been a guy who doesn't know how to put a period on the other end of the sentence maybe but i'm looking forward to it i'm also looking forward to playing the elden scrolls though which actually comes out before wins and um just for the just for the taste that's really all i'm 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 in it for i was watching the video game awards with the kids and and I'm like, oh, yeah, it's like I get to enjoy some George content that other people, like, that they're not going to enjoy. You know, I almost want to read, like, the Aces Wild series just to, like, oh, yeah, you know, <laughs> that prolific reader, the writer, George Martin, you know, it's, it's, all, it's so good. I got all this stuff to enjoy because it's 10 years, man. It's been a long Wild cards. Wild yeah, cards. I, I don't think I could ever pick it up. I'm just, I'd be too bitter reading through it. Which is sad because I bet it's really good. Uh, shall we sign off? Do we have? Do you guys have more for this section? No, I think covered, that covers covered it. I mean, it's our law. I, I think it's. An, I think it's an interesting. You know, to overview, it's an interesting setup. You do see, like I said, I think it's the last time you see this situation. You know, and, I like that. I like that point you made about it. And, yeah. and it, it's. <clears throat> It'll be interesting to see, because like you said, we have multiple P, you know POVs of Greyjoys. Not all the Greyjoys are getting out alive. You know, I think that Theon doesn't have. It's not long for this world. You know, if he is, then I feel worse for him than I feel now. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think Ash is fantastic as a character. I think she, you know, I think it was a little kind of a generic build to begin with, but I think that that's. I think that he's kind of found his way with her, um, and I think that that she plays a role in the future to come for the Ironborn. You know, sure. Otherwise, then George just kept people around to kill them. Is really if 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 that's not what ends up happening, but I think it's a fascinating study of uh, of some of these of of loyalty, um, of of betrayal. Mm-hmm. I think there's some really good stuff that that's there. You know, ultimately, I, I, I wanted to pick my favorite chapter, to tell you the truth, is actually the Jamie at River Run. Hmm. Is, oh, that's, that's the my, negotiating that's my, chapter? That's Blackfish. my favorite. When, when the Blackfish comes out and destroys him. That's such a dog you know, just liter- liter- literally so pulls It's literally pulls his arms off of his body or whatever <laughs> and shows him. To, you know, it's like, you fucking child. You know, it's like, oh. It's like, shoot this right into my veins. But... You know, it's like, no, it's like the the defiance of the reader. And, you know, again, we're far enough along. Hopefully we'll get the books that you, you have to 
conceptualize the future to come and not just like the battles that are going to happen but what that future looks like in that what what do you want to the the, the that swap future to look like what is the song when it's finally sung you know those final notes what should that sound like you know what mm-hmm. i mean and it, it's going to be you know i'm hoping that it transcends just simply like a reward or punishment system for good or evil like i'm hoping that it's it, that it, it's something that's like that touches on the humanity of all of us and um that's that's regardless of whatever we get that's my hope for what kind of content it is or how it feels well if any of the that. ironborn going to touch on the humanity of it uh it's going to be harwell or maybe asha i'm not counting on it from vic no no but we'll find it come on we'll find it fix a ball bag come on just please blow the horn vic just blow the horn one time <laughs> It'd be great if he blows it or whatever. And he sounds like Charlie Parker. And it's like, oh shit, like Vic's a jam, you know, and everybody wears berets and snaps their fingers ironically or whatever when he plays. Is like, is that round midnight? I fucking love this jam. It's gonna, it's like, gonna yeah, yeah. I love Supreme. Maybe his, in. <laughs> maybe his, uh, his crackling hand will protect him. Yeah, who, who's, who's open for Vic tonight? You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, oh, it's good. Mm. Uh, like, nah, but, yeah. Oh, that's bad, dude. You don't want to open for Victorian. That was I was going to talk about clear back at the beginning is how religious and devoted to his faith he is until he throws a new hand and he says two gods are with me now. No folk can stand before two gods. (laughs) Honest, I mean, I know I'm not a religious guy, but I respect it. He saw evidence and he's like, "This is real." Well, I guess just a real short thing then. You there's the theory that when the screams are heard and Makoro's like fixing them up that you, that you lose Vic's genuine POV that it's not either him or it's like he doesn't have agency anymore in his actions whatever the case may be what do you guys feel like when him get- well there's a there's a chapter after that where we get his POV yeah but he's saying uh, it's not him anymore yeah but it's not so, necessarily it's, like it's not the he same was the Vic. blood sacrifice yeah. You do see, you mm-hmm. definitely see the shades of Khal Drogo Miri Mazdur in that, right? Right. A wound that he had sustained that should have been maybe one that is fixable, but instead festered, just like Drogo. You've got someone coming in who's been trained in those Rolorish arts, uh, performing those rituals. You get the screams. You don't see what's actually happening during the, the ritual. It's all presented yep. from characters outside yeah. that are seeing yep. it. You see um, Euron's very negative reaction through yeah. the dusky woman, one way or the other, whether she's being warged or whatever. That like that's not at all what he wants, you know. Mm-hmm. And then like, is that the thing that's you know th- that saves Vic's skin in that, you know, it, or seals his doom? But it's like to me, it's a transcendent moment, you know. I think it, there's a lot that potentially happened that I, th- I think it's very divergent or it's a divergent path for him that he, that it wasn't, it, it stopped being just an errand at that point. Picking up Makoro is a singular, a singularly important event to have happened and, and not just like, Oh yeah, we found this guy floating around or whatever. And he's got some shit to say, yeah. you know, it was, you know, and then he's, Hey, sacrifice your maester and you're going to get whims and things start to happen. And it's like, 
this that whole feeling of the ball rolling like things are starting to move you know things are moving with Vic thing it, it's we've had enough we, we really had two books of you know you had the third book you know you had it's if that really just nonstop action and then two books that dealt with the aftermath of that you know and I think that here with what we have coming up in winds, it's going to be another situation where it's, it's going to be like um, uh, the third book. Oh, my God. I've had a couple of drinks. And so, <laughs> but it's going to be that kind of action-packed shit. Like, we're going to have right. another, we're going to have another go. space. It's going to be more than just Stannis and the Crofters, you know, village. It's going to be, there's everything that happens Lots of them. is going yeah. to be something that happens that it's important. You know, and it might very well be the, that smallest thing, that little wrinkle that that everything hinges on. Another little hinge, yeah. Right. Well, all right. We beat this chapter to death like Victorian beat many people on the ship to death. We yep. did. Good call. Let's, uh, let's close out with a sign-off. John, you got one for us? I do, I do. Um... I think that this relates to the greater fandom. I'm the, at family functions. My uh, wife's or my ex-wife's grandfather would would say this quote from Henry Van Dyke: "Use what talents you possess. The woods would be very silent if no birds sang there, except those that sang best." And <laughs> I think that that's we all have something to contribute and that's the beauty of this fandom. And so if you're out there listening, if you haven't, you have these thoughts or ideas that you want to share them and you haven't due to whatever reason that you have, share them. You, you, you have validity in what you think. You don't have to be a high end content creator. You don't have to be Matt fucking Thacker. You don't have to have wrong opinions about shit. You can, be you can be me you you know you can be other you you, just like everyone else you you, you're valid in what you think about this and and be heard and have that opinion and and enjoy or or not but it's there for you if you want to engage in the community that way like we're there for that we love you this is our family so participate accordingly engage engage absolutely that was one of the big reasons that we started this meet the kalasar was to provide that opportunity for people that did want to and i I love that thanks john for sharing that thank you you guys do fantastic i'm not gonna get mushy but for a second you guys do fantastic work here i i truly love both of you i look forward to seeing you again in real life um, I look forward to hassling you online or in DMs. Um, I enjoy having bad opinions around you. You guys, you guys are very and hearing ours. We enjoy are, encouraging. You, them. I never look at what you guys do as as content creation. You know what I mean? And oh. I, that's that's a positive to me. That's I take that's that a positive. A that's a compliment sure, yeah. if, if coming from from my frame of mind. It's, it's that it's not it's not commerce to be consumed. You guys are, are two gentlemen with interesting ideas that you that, that are fleshed out. You have something to add to it. And 
and I love you both for it, and I appreciate what you guys do. And so, um, that's Thanks, John. really all I have to say. Also, I, I I love you, Katrina, and you're you are the funniest comrade, and that's recorded somewhere. So I agree with that. Yeah, <laughs> fuck off. Man. Thank you, John. That's, you're that's, you're, you're the fucking worst. I know I like Scott more. I always oh, have. That feels so much better. I was feeling so uncomfortable with you being like so oh, gracious there for a minute. I was like, oh, that's so weird. Matt Thacker saving this we're back. God damn it. <laughs> oh, I feel better. That does remind me, though, I, I think, Scad, this is the first time that we've had a brother-sister combo or any familial relation as guests on our podcast. Unless you count husband-wife, yeah. Uh, we've had, yeah, Beth and, and we Justin. We had Justin and B. Right, yeah, yep. yeah. Anyways, um, John, uh, I had a much, like, sillier sign-off, but uh, with your with your very beautiful, eloquent words... Uh, I, I called an audible. One of my friends online posted this the other day. And just in that vein of speaking up and being yourself and you're accepted no matter what, she said, part of being human is the humiliation of becoming who we really want to be in front of other people. We don't get to spin a cocoon and hide our growth process from the world until we can emerge all colorful and capable of flight. You know, so... Go ahead, step out there, humiliate yourself by becoming who you want to be in front of us. That's all right. <laughs> I've done it for, uh, Scad and I have done it for, what, 119 episodes now, plus? <laughs> yeah, when we wrap this one. And, and that's uh, a prime number, right? We're here for you. That's true. It feels like a prime number. Yeah, so, like. <laughs> yeah, that's all I got. Well, mine's mine's much less profound, so sad that I'm going last. Uh, mine is a quote. Uh, it, it's a bit of a mashup, a quote from Euron, mm -hmm. uh, and also an impression that we'll see if anyone gets. What a kraken grabs, it does not loose. Yes, you do. Every time. Hmm? Hmm? Hmm. I got nothing. Um, is it, um... <sighs> it's Solo. I was going to say that. Seven. I was going to say, is that Han Solo when he says, every time? I did. Yes, I do. See, every I, time. I was going to guess Robert Shaw from Jaws. That was my... Uh, it's when people are, I think Chewie's accusing him of... He says it to Chewie. Him never being able to talk out of himself out of situations. <laughs> yes, I do. Every time. There it is. Uh... They lose everything. Every time they ever take anything, they lose it. Yeah. And Solo was... Hashtag was a, Ironborn suck. That's my, that's <laughs> and Solo was, is an underappreciated Star Wars movie. It's not from Solo. It's from episode no, 7. But I agree I'm, with you no, about yeah, Solo. No, yes. Alright. Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. I like Solo. Yeah. Yeah. My daughter said that right. she found it boring and uh, we haven't spoken since. So. Your daughter's Ooh. wrong. Have her draw a picture and then see, like, when they when they make pictures and they draw, like, the sun and the horizon. They don't make them three-dimensional. They don't make them proportionate. Kids are dumb. I just I just want <laughs> you to take that. I hate, if I, if I can say anything before signing off, I hate dogs and I hate babies. And for the exact same reason, they get her out on all fours. They shit everywhere. They put everything in their mouth. Fucking stupid. Don't have either one of them if you're going to do yourself a favor. <laughs> Fucking dogs, babies, trash.
right, you heard it from me. Good night, everybody. You heard it from me. That's P.O. Box 6969. Salt Lake City. This has been a good night, everybody. Good night. I'm gonna say hi and shit, but then I'll have my hey. Where can you find you? That'll be later, right? Uh, yeah. For for those seven or eight people that are like, this guy's got the content I want. Yeah. So we'll just do a brief introduction at the very. The one of the one of the one person slobbering for it, (laughs) right? He stops like choking his victim. He's like, you know what? I I got a new follow. (laughs) That is our uh, that is our listener base. We we do have a surprisingly (laughs) high rating for murderers. It's weird. Right, right. They're like, I like to put it on, kind of drown out the noise. You know, it's nice to have a couple people talking in the background while I. Watch They're the color so friendly while I strangle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we we rate uh, very high among. I'm listening to this part. You better shut up. The focus groups are amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're great. Oh my god, <laughs> this episode's gonna be good. John's like, you know what I really dig right now? The gin blossoms. <laughs> the, the gin blossoms. blossoms. <laughs> and paying Tucson, attention. Tucson, Arizona. I'm a big fan. <laughs> I actually really like the gin blossom. Follow you down. Uh, uh, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> wow. The disappointment is just palpable. There, 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 there. Basically, anything I like is that's John's response. I know, Matt. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, make me guess. Sounds about right. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Oh, wait. No, no, no. Not here we go. John, what do you want the title to be? Well, it sucks because oh, after yeah. I saw Wet and Ready, I was like, hot now. But that doesn't fit anywhere. It's in know? the chapter. Wet and Ready is in the chapter. It's the <laughs> what, I know. And Arben Arben's there. I feel like the know? three of us are already like, there. Uh, no, You're on Undresses is, is a great title. Yeah. I just Anytime we choose the title I came up with as a default, I feel bad. Maybe I should just leave it blank from now on. <laughs> Maybe you should just give yourself a break. I don't deserve a break, Matt. All right, give myself one. All right. We'll go with your own address. Are we ready? Yep. Okay. Yep. But the worst Dave Matthews song by far is So Much to Say. That song sucks. Right? Like, that song is like... Go to hell. Really? Go straight to hell. Really? It's like just like pop catchiness. It's just like... No, it's brilliant. Uh, When, in 1995... I'm standing in front of a console television, like the last one. Mm-hmm. VH1, was mm-hmm. a, which was a thing. I don't know if it still is. was on. And they come up with this promo that says, Dave Matthews, funkiest white man in America. And I was like, mm. I, I started putting stones <laughs> in my pockets. I was like walking towards the lake. I'm just going to, you know what? Eventually, that first hour and a half. <laughs> Shout it for an hour and a half. It's going to be some tough reason, but eventually I'll make peace with my demise and that'll be that. Funkiest white guy in America. Ah, me, man. Go meet, go meet the dragon. If VH1 gives you that kind of shout out, end it. Just get a hypodermic and an air bubble, put it in your vein. Like that's, 
You know what? <laughs> That's when he decided, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go dump crap off the bridge onto the people on the boat. That's that's what, <laughs> right. Just just to combat that opinion from VH1. Serious opinion <laughs> for me. I think VH1 is far superior to MTV. Uh, they had quality music content. I firmly believe that. They did. They had stand-up spotlight with Rosie O'Donnell. That was great. She had the like the black jacket with the high shoulder boards that... You know, Did you ever watch their like game quasi game show called The List? Yeah, oh, yeah. where they'd get like people that come on like they'd rank like their favorite things categorically, their favorite yeah. music categorically. Oh, yeah. I love that show. Yeah, um, Patrice O'Neill was my favorite. Like the guy was a brilliant comedian, and there was a lot of people that were on that. That you know, it was for however long a lot of that VH1 nonsense lasted. There were some funny, brilliant comedians working that that yeah. circle. There was some good stuff. Um, but yeah, and it's cool because it's a you know it's a captured you know in time type thing that doesn't involve Carson Daly, which is kind of what you had going on at MTV at the same time. <laughs> you know, nobody wants any of that. You know, nobody's clamoring for Carson Daly. Certainly, in retrospect, we don't. No. So Kurt, Kurt Loader, maybe. But. Kurt Loader, timeless. <laughs> Scad, you became a Lions fan as an adult, as a grown man. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. How? Like it's, what happened? Uh, what happened? Um, uh, it's a, it's it's a bit of a long story, but um, does it involve a well in a like a and a like Jaws of Life? Well, or I don't, so I, uh, if you haven't listened to the cast much, you might not understand me very well. But if you do, maybe you you've gotten a sense that I don't really believe that I deserve nice things. Uh, and yeah, so I buy that. That's... yeah. So so. I've, I was a lifelong Raiders fan uh, up until, you know, my, my early 20s or late teens. Um, and my dad was a Raiders fan and grew up watching the Raiders. The Jay Schrader days were terrible. Uh, but we always had Tim Brown in our corner. And uh, uh, I, just got, I just got sick of their management and their choices. And I'm like, I'm just, I'm switching. I'm, I'm out on the Raiders. I can't handle it anymore. Um and but I didn't think I deserved to go. I can't be a front runner. I didn't think I deserved to go pick a good team and just follow a good team. <laughs> so I picked the Lions, and I picked them right when they hired Matt Millen and Steve Mariucci, and they got Joey Harrington as their draft quarterback. And I'm like, these guys are gonna turn this shit around. And I believed it full force, and I was a fan, and I jumped all in, and I've been a Lions fan ever since. And it's been the worst decision maybe I've ever made. And it's been, yeah, it's awful been experience. Yeah. No, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. I mean, I'm glad you made that choice because in how I became one is that I was born into it and that fucking sucks yeah. and I didn't have a choice. You know what I mean? And then yeah. it was like, so no matter what, I could go and like, oh, I'm going to root for another team and it's never going to be, you know, it'll never be the same, you know. And But here's what I'm here to tell you, John, is you can do it. I was born into being a Raider fan. My whole family is Raider fans. Well, I was, and I, I chose to leave. You can do it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I Just left. pick a better team than the one you're leaving. That's my advice. Yeah, see, there, there's a... See, that's what sucks is that there's... The nature of football, like, it really, parody is a thing. You know, it's like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have won okay. two Super Bowls. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I've seen Cincinnati Bengals in two Super Bowls. You mm -hmm. know, there's multiple teams where it's like, yeah, they've... They come, they get represented, they have their... You know, Carolina and, and Kerry... 45-year-old fucking Kerry Collins went to the Super Bowl. You but know, not for it, the Lions. 
But the Lions, oh no. No, they, they defy. They're a statistical anomaly. They're, it's like mm-hmm. the beginning of Tom Stoppard's fucking Rosencrantz and Gilderstern where they're flipping the coin and it's like, how many times is this going to be heads or tails? And it's like heads like 50 times in a row. And you're like, there's I've no caught every single fucking... one. And it's like, no, every time. Yeah. You know, and it's like, I, it, I marvel to this day how they shit the bed. It's, it's my favorite thing, you know, and I... I love the the optimistic line. They're like, yeah, the, like this is the year. And I'm like, son, like it's not the year. I watched Billy Sims get turf toe. Like I was <laughs> I was a mad seven year old. You know what I mean? And so I can't let that go. I've been an angry person my whole life. I'm not gonna like ditch him now. However, I've essentially ditched him now. I I haven't watched the Lions game. I'll look in the paper. I'll I'll watch like live tweets and shit. Like oh oh, what do you know? Like it's. Well, mm-hmm. at least this kicker had all his foot that broke the NFL record and beat the Lions <laughs> on the last play of the game. That's they're they're one for three with guys that have all their foot that kicked the <laughs> the NFL longest field goal in, the, in losing games. That's happened three times to that team. Yep. Two of those guys had whole feet. You know, the other guy had <laughs> didn't have any toes. He had a block and he went out there. There was no like cool like soccer move. No, Six, he just backed, yards. He backed right up. Like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna move forward. Boom! He hit this thing with his prosthetic foot, and it's like, oh, the Lions lose. What do you know? You know, in front of like twenty five thousand people in the fucking Superdome or whatever. But like, John, it's a history we're proud of. <laughs> it is, it is. Okay, so that's that's legitimate. Now, Matt. Yes. <sighs> the Colorado Avalanche. Okay, so God's team. I'm just gonna go your, on mute here for a minute. Your five <laughs> most hated hockey players, playing or not. Playing yeah, retired or, not. or you know whatever, active, whatever fancy word they use to for mean somebody's still dragging a check. Uh, Darren McCarty, absolutely. Okay. Um, gosh, Joey Koser hated that guy. Uh, Steve Eiserman hate that guy because I respect him. Oh so yeah, much. that's usually how respect works. I got gotcha. you. So, Sh- Sh- Sean Avery. I forgot he was a wing. <laughs> and this guy wasn't a wing. Dion Phaneuf. Yep, I think those are really. The- off the top of my head, the ones I can think of. It's a good list. You know who I don't like? You're going to like this. I'm saying it right now. Can I guess? Here. Claude oh. Lemieux. See, I Claude love Lemieux. Because I was a Devils fan before don't I was like a Wings fan. Imagine growing up right. in Detroit and like, like, yeah, him. fuck you, New Jersey Devils. Like, that was that was a, a tough road to hoe. Like, when I came back to the fold, and they're like, oh, well, 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 who's, look who's back. John, wanting to root for the Wings. You know, and it's like... <laughs> Yeah, I've been a happy hockey fan the last couple of years. I just thought I'd slide in on in and just keep that success going. Watch you yeah. win some championships. Yeah, just, yep. mm-hmm. just watch Neil Broughton win one, you know. <laughs> you know, I Scott Stevens is the baddest fucker to ever skate. You Scotty know, so. Stevens. Yep. Oh, I hate so, that guy too. Yeah. Oh, I love that guy. But it was it was that, that was a great rivalry in in that period. Um, yes. Yeah, and they just played of... tonight, and nobody knows about it. 
and like it's it's not a thing anymore. The Abs and the Red Wings played tonight, and it was just a normal, run of the mill hockey game. Did anyone try to take their skate the, off and stab someone? That's always the no, hope. There were like three penalties the whole game. The uh, Avalanche killed them, and that's just what it was. But for that time, John, it was a beautiful, beautiful time to be an Avs and Red Wings fan. I hated Woody Page so hard, man. He would write those. The journalist? Yeah. Yeah, because he was writing fucking shit for... I don't know if he was even in Colorado. I don't know if he was he was writing for the Denver Post at the time. I wanted to stab him in the fucking face. I was hated he? that guy. Ugh. Well, because well that, joining that us really, today is Woody Page. Was, it's... Oh. Detroiters, I don't know if anyone has ever come on and said this. Detroiters have like a, a little brother complex, right? A little mm. bit. But we're also a stabby mm. little brother. You know, where it's like, it's not like, oh, how come I'm not getting mine? It's like, this fucking, you know what I mean? It's like, you're shitting in their bed. You're doing whatever. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, I guess that's beneath my station. But fuck you. That's kind of how we get down. And so that's, we take attacks um, on our shitty lifestyle or how that we all look miserable and how, you know, it's going to be the, the first American Sambricand. We take those things kind of to heart, and so and we don't react well to it. It's like our final stage Detroit would be Philly fan. Like, I hear about them, like, booing Santa and putting batteries and snowballs and shit and throwing them at players, and I'm like, man, I wish we were like that. You know, like, that's kind of how, you know, it's like, hmm, you know. Let's see, that's what you get when you play in a dome. Yeah, Someday. it's like, it really softens you when you play in a dome like that. that. That's, you know, it's like... I bet your grandfather used to put a battery in there. So it's, it's, it's kind of my yeah. relationship. And that's, again, like, that's a lot of people's introduction to fandom, right? You know what I mean? It's Sports. not, you know, it's not like, it's not this, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it, it, it's, you talk radio, you know, it's, it's following box scores every day. It's, it's seeing that kind of stuff. It's, it, it's relating to an event outside of your control in a very personal way. I need to go get my charger. My computer's dying and I forgot to bring it up because I'm recording upstairs. So I'll be right back. All right. Fine. Then we'll move on to Patreon. I'll ch- Thank you. I'll, I'll charm Matt while you're gone. Charm him. Charm him. Mm, here we go. Here Matt, we go. Now, he's, now he's away. Let's get into some hockey talk. What are you sucking on right now? Is that a, yeah, a toothache. A little cleaner I had, thing? Uh, yeah. Hmm. You know, I'm... I'm dying for a cigarette now. A cigarette right now, man. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. I'm like, uh, I would chew one right now if I could. Go so, for it. I'd no, like to no, see no, that. Good. No, it's, I think it's the creative. I'm. It's good content. I'm just gonna. I really wish this was video. To, you know, we could show. You know, my, I guess my oral fixation. Now that I say it out loud, it's not as. Not as great. Mm, yummy. Really should. Yeah, I should really watch what I say. Like, I just want to put things in my mouth. Um. <laughs> when we are, yeah, when we're recording these longer episodes, we need to be conscientious of that. Like, do we need to do smoke breaks or, or something every now and again? It's at least one, just right in the middle. Yeah, well, I, I just wanted to get this into a double overtime situation as far as the length. That was, you Oh, know, here we go. My, my inner director's like, John, this is it. Like, you, you just say all the dumb shit you're going to say, you know, because... I don't know it, why, it'll be why back you don't to like, guess yeah, Trump's stupid or whatever. You know, I'll be back to tweeting into the void. So, 
for your three likes. Yeah. Yeah, they're all Katrina. <laughs> you get you get you get plenty. You know when that uh, annual reminder comes around of uh, McCarty beating on Claude Lemieux. You know Eugene. Yeah, but I I, Katrina, I, I don't ever bring there. that up. I always I'm I'm the I get in late. I'm the I I I, I should be I should get a major for a third one in. Yeah, for you sure. Know, it's like I. I it's not my fight. I'm like, oh, what is happening here? Oh, yeah. oh, Matthews. Oh, look at that. Like, you it's know, like usually, come in, like Gene. Dan High Note sucks. You know, and then like, come over to the top of the with, with the fucking Dougie Richie Brown. never loved you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, and it was it was such a, a beautiful period for the all, all of that I, I love to see you getting piled on i really do right it's, right it's like we we come out of the woodwork and you it's know, just Clint like, and it's gene yeah and it's it's a fucking buzzing hive of fucking it, it just, seems like every year at least like two more people like join the fray and it's just me it's just me on the other side it's just you like i thought about switching side one time you know really? and just like coming in there and like uh i'm trying to name a think of a colorado player there's it never really panned out. Oh. Peter Forsberg, I guess. You know, Ooh. Forsberg. Yeah, Sackick. I will say, well, I I would have Mike Keen's baby, and I love Adam Foote. You right. know, so I'll give you My those boy. two. Mm-hmm. And um, so you're like an old school hockey fan, just like because those two guys were. Yeah, like, Eddie Shore, Law. man. Uh, those, yeah, no, I, those guys were like playing on the frozen pond with frozen cow crap you know like as pucks it's disgusting oh it was a different the, the hockey has not evolved the same way that other sports basketball is certainly not the same sport like i don't know how much you guys watch basketball but you know whether it's enough the, to hate it, it it's the you know the golden state warriors that like that era the three ball it's like it's really changed a lot of how i understood which is basically an out of shape um uh, uh, Robert, what's his name? The Boston Robert Parish. Oh, Robert Parrish. Like you see these like the Parrish. exoskeletal guys. They're like you know their shoulders up like this. They have no muscle tone. They have a tummy, you know. And then the, the high socks. There's a lot of sweat. It's a like eighty five to eighty nine. Like yeah, get it, you know. And it's a it's a different game, you know. And so and hockey has changed less. But when they went in the left wing lock and, you know, the certain aspects of the game where it was like, it kind of sucked the fun out of just what to me was what's exciting about the game. You watch, watch old Oilers games, like right. watch, you know, watch Gretzky and Messier and Paul Coffey and and those guys, Yari Curry like, flying around and everybody likes to make the fighting hockey jokes. You know what I mean? Where it's like, oh, they beat each other up and there was a, you know, the fight and a hockey game broke out. But that shit was like a miracle on ice. That was that was just sublime, you know. And I, I don't know. I think that a lot of that with the style of play and the number of teams, it, the quality isn't there. That that you you know it's now it's a team game where it's like how do we mitigate everyone's best punch? You know what I mean? And I think yeah. it's really to the detriment of the game. I think it slowed it down to. <sighs> I would contend that it's starting to speed up again. 
what happened was, is back in those days, you had two different casts of players. You had the Gretzkys, and then you had the McSorleys. And the, that was the NHL, right? Mm-hmm. You were fast and skilled, or you were slow and meat-heady. Now it's becoming, you know, more meshed. Players are, they have to have all those skill sets in order to make a roster. And sure, you've got the Connor McDavid's and the Sidney Crosby's that are going to stand out. But yeah, there's definitely, you know fighting's down but i think the speed of the game started to pick back up again and, which the, is positive. and fighting was always fighting was never understood no. people the, the general public you know the the non-fandom always looked at ho- violence in hockey as you know it's like a, a how barbaric it is or if they you know they would allow they wouldn't allow this in any other sport and because of the brutality of that game it's grown men moving very fast with sticks, right? And there's when you see a lot of dirty stick play that comes into effect when, when there's not the fighting, when there's not people doing that. It's a, it's a much cleaner game in a fighting environment because you keep it in your ass. You know what I mean? You're like, you're pulling it in. and the players police each really other. Have, yep. They police each other. And, and now that it's like, well, what can I get away with? <clears throat> You know what I mean, and that to me, that's what the NBA has become. Is like, what can I get away with? Can I get this cheap call? Can I do this? It becomes more of a ref-driven game, and then it's like, I, I don't want to watch it to, you know, to Correct. to like put my to, to watch my team get jobbed or not jobbed, you know, by by a referee, you know, and because I'm a you know I'm a Lions fan, I'm always gonna cry about that, but <laughs> you know, it's we job ourselves. It's all on us. <clears throat> you guys ready to jump back in? Oh yeah, yeah. Did you ever read George's his pitch, his original pitch to the the to, pitch letter? Yeah, I read it a long time ago. I forgot. Yeah. Holy fuck! I would. There's no way I would watch that fucking show the way he pitched it. Like, I hope that somebody else went in there and was like, "Oh, I'm, oh, George, I'm I'll take this. this. Like, let me let me run with this ball." Because it sounds like a George Costanza fucking train wreck is what it sounds like. But wait, there's more. I'm like, oh, fuck this old man. You're going to fuck this up for everybody. You know, it's like, it's it's the worst shit, but it, I love it. You know what I mean? I, it's like my life has been changed through this fandom, you know, yeah. it's like in, in positive ways. And, but, but we're not getting that last book. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna well, say what, what a way to end it on a down note. <laughs> I, yeah, I just wanted to you know, sign off. Yeah, I shit on Brian earlier, and we're not getting the book. Uh, so, like, again, that's P.O. Box 69. Yeah, P.O. Box 69, six Salt Lake City, Utah. Right? Any, uh, if you find John and, and burn all this shit, donate it to the DI. <laughs> We didn't even talk about the DI. That's the we greatest thing. We didn't even thing. talk about the DI. DI. L- Listener, Listeners, if you ever get a chance to go out, they're, they're, Mormons are the best hoarders. The DI is the most fantastic place. You can trim out a house for 100 bucks. I have some <laughs> we'll first up. edition novels. I, have, I, I bought $3,000 worth of books from the DI we'll that up. are just like, yeah. oh, it's lot. so good. Three thousand dollars for the books from the DI. You you spent thirty thousand dollars. Yeah, I had a library. I had a library. I sit in there and it's like my empire is beautiful. Like I absolutely loved all the books I got from the DI. There are people that like they get in their new shipments like on Tuesday morning or something like that, and. 
there are people that are waiting outside that like like Black Friday every single Tuesday morning. Oh, I know. I, I, like, yeah, I, I've been ooh. there. I'd push down a little kid for fucking right. some of that shit yeah. that they. Yeah. <laughs> I believe you. Look it up. Desert <laughs> Industries, guys. <laughs> it's good stuff. They do good work. Mm-hmm.